recorded podcast. <laughs> Unless you're okay, Joe Rogan. so Sass, are you ready? I think Kai is almost here. Done. It comes now yeah. recording. Like I said, the audio is broken up, but I can I can understand your words, so that's good enough. I can okay. do it. Let's go. Well, well, <laughs> Chill. Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable. <laughs> it's three nineteen, Sunday, March seventh, twenty twenty one, Eastern Time. Eastern Time minus five UTC. Welcome, sass. Sausage making time. What is? All right. <laughs> Hello, sass. Thanks for coming to the show. Hey. We're basic hey, income advocacy up? podcast. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to see you. So I'm Shale. We've got Lucas, Refluence, Harry, Ariel, and Feku here. And Hello. I think uh, Faye invited you, right? I did. Faye's because been my I, go-to. Connection. I want to tell it's the been story. Amazing. Oh, okay. Well, Can please. I tell the yeah. story of how means. I met? Mm-hmm. All right. If you if you came to our uh, YGRL uh, broadcast, the Yang Game Report live and Facebook, then you may have heard this story before. But um, I met Sass because I was at home, you know, my usual routines with Zephyr, and I got a phone call. It was a political call, so I thought, oh, okay, well, that's cool. I'll listen. You know, let's see what this person has to say. He's running for office, so on and so forth. He's in Austin. I'm like, oh, Austin. So, you know, I'm I'm a little bit far from Austin. I'm still interested, right? And uh, he tells me, well, I'm calling everyone <laughs> in the state of Texas. Wow. And I said, what? <laughs> right? That's very ambitious of you. Yeah. And this is a person with, with, uh, with some drive. He's going to do a lot of work. I said, well, how, why is that? You know, and he says he didn't know where his district began and ends because he hasn't, uh, everything's being redistricted right now. And so he's going to have to make a choice soon. Um, so I'm wondering, uh, Good for you, <laughs> Sass. Yeah, I mean, and, and then I like through the conversation. Yeah. I don't know if things have changed since I had this conversation with you, like probably over uh, a month and a half ago, something like that. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I'm also finding out that I said, "Well, have you ever heard of the Freedom Dividend or you know, Universal Basic Income?" And uh, and he points he points me to this uh, page he has on his website that basically says Freedom Dividend. Uh. <laughs> and I said, "Oh." I was like, okay, so we're basically Yang Gang connecting for the first time, right? Nice. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, so I was really excited that he called me early on in his candidacy. And um, and so I've been, you know, a big fan ever since. I found out later through Basic Income Movement, uh, I think Sass mentioned that he had, um, you know, done some work for them as an organizer. Uh, I found out later, you know, once I saw him in person uh, through the, well, well, through the magic of Zoom, <laughs> right? <laughs> and StreamYard and things like that. I was like, oh, I have actually met you before. I just didn't connect the name with the person. And he had taught us all about, you know, something that uh, a great technique he used on his um, on his uh, organizing uh, uh, times. So anyway, here he is. And we would love to introduce him to more people. So the more people know about SAS, yeah, the better, I think. I love that. I love that you called all texting. Well, just going to have to call everybody because that's totally the right move. That only <laughs> only raises your profile, so you can't lose. That's brilliant. Man, yeah, please win, please. Like a lot of, like, you know, state campaigns and stuff end up, like, you know, getting a lot of attention from other places because, like, you know, local places sometimes have a lot of power over everywhere else, you know, so it's like... Yep. And, and this, is, yeah. this, is, this is extra meaningful because... Texas is likely going to pick up anywhere from two to four seats. We're going to find out at the end of this month, actually, how many seats Texas is picking up, which means there are going to be multiple races with no incumbent. And, you know, obviously, um, 
people are really starting to fall off this Democrat and the Democrat and Republican trains. Yep. Like they're really just everybody's just kind of like both are awful, and I'm sick of voting for them. Amen. And obviously, Texas is in this interesting spot of like everybody thinks it's turning blue, and like it is turning blue, but it's still totally red because every serious congressional and state legislature challenged by Democrats in 2020 lost. Every single one of them lost. Um, and so it's this weird dichotomy. Um, and so, and with the redistricting, the time that we're in, we're in a really, really unique spot um, where if I can win a, if I win a seat in Texas on the kinds of stuff that I'm talking about, running as, I don't know if I'm going to run as a Democrat or Republican or Independent or Libertarian or whatever, but like if, if, if some dude with purple hair wins uh, by creating a campaign that brings in all people that doesn't play the identity politics game in Texas, that's, that sends a message to the whole country yeah. that like politics is really shifting and there's a new attitude and there's a, there's a new way to go about this that, that you can absolutely run on people focused uh policy and messaging and leadership that uh that is effective and that and that will that you can win with and that can make a difference so so we, we i mean it's it's it's, it's all the, the stars have aligned in a lot of ways yeah i feel like that's hi izzy that the hi izzy yeah i feel that's perfect uh that is exactly what was going on at the federal level uh, and, you know, we viewed it as Yang, the person running on policy, cutting through all the bullshit. Some people thought Tulsi was that. Some people thought Bernie was that. But there is a sentiment that that is what is needed. And it was thwarted at the federal level where the DNC has incredible control. But perhaps in Texas, it will work. Maybe there's real democracy left in Texas. I don't know. I'm in New York. So I hope so. Is it Rachel's yeah. voting in Texas? You said a lot of... No, no. So, so, so you, do we want to talk about voting systems? Because I love voting systems. Absolutely. I mean, is the ranked choice voting okay. in Texas? So, ranked choice voting is not compatible with Texas election code. There you go. Um, Texas election code, and this is, is Texas is not the only state like this. There are a lot of states. That, the election code is different in every state. Some states it's pretty simple and straightforward and open and allows jurisdictions to do what they want. Some states it's super locked down and messy and confusing and convoluted and contradictory. Texas is one of those states where the election code is just a mess. Um, but here's the thing. Ranked choice voting is a trash garbage voting system this is like the one thing andrew yang did not do his research on um Thank no you. voting enthusiasts yeah. <laughs> voting enthusiasts uh do no longer take uh ranked choice voting seriously anymore modern voting science has just completely destroyed it um so uh before instead of just like saying those words let me you give just, you because of the math couple, of it, i have or? a long i have a whole list of things but let me just give you kind of my, my top couple points um Ranked choice voting only uh, does not eliminate the spoiler effect. It only mildly mitigates it, and it still trends toward a two-party system. Um, so ranked choice voting, so it's, it's not going to get us out of this duopoly that we're already locked into. Additionally, ranked choice voting only provides an illusion of choice. And here's the prime example. Imagine your first choice candidate is the last one eliminated. Everything else you expressed on your ballot is thrown away. How the hell are you supposed to get an accurate result if you throw away half of the voter preference data? Yeah, no, that's that's a good mathematical criticism of of, uh, of ranked choice voting. Uh, what what alternative do you um, back if not first past the post, which Two. is also terrible? Yeah, 
star voting and approval voting. Thank um, you. Yes. Um, so star voting, I like to describe as the ultimate culmination of modern voting. It's invented in Oregon in 2014. Star is an acronym. It stands for score, then automatic runoff. So how it works, you got all your candidates on your ballot, and uh, you score them from zero to five stars. Right? And then you add up all the scores across all the ballots. Then uh, whichever two candidates had a high score, so then go to an automatic runoff run. So you don't need to vote again. It just uses data that's already on your ballot. So you have, uh, then what happens is whichever of those top two candidates you prefer more, that you scored higher, that candidate gets your one full vote. And then whichever of those two candidates gets the most full votes wins. Um, and this produces astoundingly accurate results for all sorts of wonderful mathematical, scientific, and voter simulation reasons I'm not going to get into right now, but it really is incredible. There is a bit of a hiccup. Star voting um, does require some amount of change to voting infrastructure. Um, so, like, you got to change. You have to redesign your ballots. You have to retrain election officials, get things certified. You have to do voter education campaigns. And in a big city, this actually isn't a, this actually is not a big deal. Um, but in like a small rural town uh, that only has 500 people in it and only spends two or $300 on an election, star voting is a hard sell for, for some of those reasons, um, which is why I also advocate for approval voting. Now, before I move on to approval voting, star voting, questions on that? Um, so basically, the way it works is just uh, uh, rank each candidate. In no, we're not ranking. We're not ranking. We are scoring. So I'm at score. Sorry. You're scoring we're, each yep, candidate no, in terms of like how much you like them from 1 to 100, right? Well, 0 to 5. Oh, 0 to 5. That's really easy, isn't it? Why would that be a hard yep, sell? 0 to 5. And this is really so it's important. Like a, it's like a poll. It's like a ranking or whatever. Like It's like 5 stars. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you're scoring. You're not ranking. Like Amazon reviews. Yeah, like an Amazon review, zero to five stars, right? And this is yeah. really important because um, that it's zero to five, it's, that's, that's, that's selected for a variety of reasons. For one, yes, just the cultural familiarity, but also because um, there have been a lot of studies done on like the cognitive load of the human brain and about how many things that can kind of be held in space at the same time. Right. And that number is between five and seven. And so zero wow. to five is technically six different scores. And so you kind of hit right that perfect middle point. So you are addressing that cognitive load perfectly. And so zero to five stars. It's really, really important. Keep more questions, though. Keep going. It sounds like other yeah, people had seven. Like Amazon reviews where you aren't allowed to have a zero star review. They always have the minimum of one. This is definitely an improvement over that. Yeah, you, yeah, you get the extra zero. And like there, there are a number of reasons that, that you add on that zero. But it's, it's, that's, that's, a, that's a, like kind of a... Nitty gritty detail, like uh, yeah, of just like it just simplifies it so that way, like you can either fill in a zero or you can leave it blank. Those are the same thing. I hear we're getting some echo from your uh, from from you, Harry. I think we're getting some okay. What? So we're getting some we echo. We have from added Harry. a we've also you. added a we've added a new friend. Um, his name is Carl, it seems, and uh, he's using your environment, Seattle on uh, Twitch, and so I invited him to come in and speak with us. Oh, hello, Carl. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. I just wanted to introduce him to the stream. Welcome to the show. Hi, yeah, hi, everyone. Uh, I, I'm, my name is Carl. Uh, I did some uh, presentations around Thorium to the Seattle Yang Gang a little late in the election cycle, but still I was happy to get involved and uh, 
bring my expertise and the experts that I call on. Uh, so great. Yes. Or I'm some feedback from Craig. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so uh, today we're having a special speaker on. His name is Sass, and he's running for office for U.S. Congress out in Austin, Texas. And so, um, so we're going to first, uh, to, you know, talk about some of his most important priorities for legislation if he were to become a U.S. Uh, congressional representative. Yeah, we're talking about voting methods, and he's talking talking about uh, star voting, which he advocates for over, uh, you know, first past the post or rank choice. Uh, and uh, he's making a very compelling case for it. I'm completely on board. Uh, you said it was one of two. I don't know if you want to finish with Star. Approval. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the other one. Because I, I mentioned just some like logistical real world problems with Star, which aren't extreme, right? If they had like state support, great. But but if you're just trying to get like individual cities or towns, it can be Star can be a hard sell to small jurisdictions that don't have a lot of money to spend on elections. Um, so the other one is approval voting. Approval voting is comically simple. It is changing the language on the ballot from choose one to choose one or more. So instead of bubbling in next to one candidate, you can bubble in next to as many candidates as you like or all the candidates you approve of. And then you tabulate it the same way. You add up all the approvals and whoever gets the most approvals wins. It's that simple. Uh, and, and Yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really While it, it does not produce results quite as amazing as star voting, you get a lot for a little. Yeah. I like to describe approval voting as the highest and fastest return on investment for any voting system shift in the United States right now. Um, it's power and simplicity. So it requires zero change to voting infrastructure because, again, the only thing you're changing is one sentence on the ballot. That's it. Um, it the, the training is effectively zero because um, you're, just, you're just counting up all the votes. Um, uh, the voter education campaign is uh is you know uh, always the the most expensive part of it well that's as quick can't get any quicker or cheaper or easier than it can with approval voting um and and it's 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 just it's power and simplicity you really get a lot for little so i advocate for both of these systems i'm actually currently working with the center for election science to get approval voting in austin for austin city council elections and st louis uh just uh less than a week ago back on tuesday had their first uh, elections with approval voting. They're actually doing approval and, uh, for primaries and they're having a top two runoff uh, in the general election in a month in April. Um, and that went phenomenally well. Um, uh, and if we want to get more into the weeds about that, we can. Uh, but I know that this is a pretty Texas-focused thing. So uh, I just want to pause and, and let people ask questions or, or make, make some comments. I did, I did want to say... Um, also, I'm very impressed with your basis of knowledge and your ability to communicate yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've explained this to a lot of people quite yeah. often. Well done. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I think you're gonna win. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do, but uh, that's why I'm starting. Yeah, the law on the really simple, obvious, like approval voting system. Even though it's not quite as like effective as star voting, I feel like just pointing, just focusing on that could like really make it really obvious how bad and incompetent our voting system is designed like yeah like it, it makes it yeah. that out in this such obvious words with this obvious replacement that everyone could agree on if they actually were paying attention like it's an I easy sell like approval yeah, voting is a relatively easy sell. easy sell star voting would solve our problem uh, a bit more precisely and accurately reflect what we want but i think it might be so much more difficult to get that i would probably go with approval voting as a thing i'd push prim uh, at this moment approval. in time yeah, there like, are arguments for voting. Both. 
is going to be basically Hold free on. to yeah. implement. If yeah, to, yeah. To, it's to, mostly voter and, education. And the benefit to approval voting uh, is is ultimately that the way that we, especially on the presidential and primary level, reporting of election results. And the way that we're all riveted to our screen on election day, even though all of us should know better, you know, but we need a instant gratification. Approval voting will give it to you. Star mm-hmm. voting Wait, every, and instant every single run- runoff system. voting will not give us yeah. the well, I wanna, I wanna be very sense clear. of reporting. Instant, I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear. Instant runoff voting is the only serious single winner method that does not. Hmm. Every other serious single winner system does. Star voting does. Approval voting does. Range voting does. Uh, like like complex Kandorsi tabulation of like rank ballots does. Like everything else does. It's only instant runoff that has this problem in terms of single winner. Um, and and like they and I want to go beyond just the like being glued to your seats. This is some this this thing is called precinct summability, right? You can sum it up at the precinct level. That means you do not need to centralize tabulation to a single point of failure. That's one of my biggest problems with instant runoff. We are in a we live in a military and economic superpower, long-standing military and economic superpower. The uh, the security risks of centralizing tabulation to a single point of failure in a country like this have gl- huge negative global implications. Um, I mean, you'll see other countries that use systems that are not precinct summable, but they're not military superpowers, right? Like, I don't care. No, Russia and China don't care about Estonia's elections, but they have a very big vested interest in the U.S. And if you have to centralize all of your tabulation into a single point of failure, that makes it a hell of a lot easier for Russia or China to screw up our elections. Um, so, so, like, the precinct summability, for me, is a deal breaker. Um, and and one of the biggest reasons I really don't like um, r- uh, ranked choice voting slash instant runoff voting for the U.S. Uh, Izzy, I had to mute you because you were getting some echo cancel echo from uh, your external speakers. So you could just use push to talk or turn on noise cancellation. I'll unmute you. Um, sorry to uh, interrupt there. I was done. I was I was leaving the floor open for somebody else to speak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did Izzy want to say something? Because I think Izzy keeps unmuting for a reason. Oh yeah, Izzy. Do you please. have something you want to uh, say right now? Maybe no, not. Oh, at I this have moment. nothing to say. Okay, because there is uh, some some noise coming from from the mic when you unmute it. So unmute yourself when you're ready to speak. Awesome. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, is Harry? I had, I had the thought though, if you focus on approval voting primarily, like that is such a simple and obvious improvement over our current system that pretty much anyone who's sane could agree on that anyone who doesn't is going to look bad, you know? And there are yeah. going to people, a lot of people in establishment positions who aren't going to like it because of, you know, so if you focus primarily on approval voting, it's going to like probably have a huge effect on, you know, voter approval for, you know, incumbents and stuff who don't want it. <laughs> I, I want to be clear, like there are arguments in favor of both approval voting and star voting. Like star voting is still way easier to implement than a lot of other systems. Well, sure. um, yeah. like, like it really just comes down to your jurisdiction and your election code, um, over like which one you should be fighting for in your jurisdiction. Like there are arguments for both and they both need to be fought for because ultimately like you do want to end up at least for single winner elections, you want to end up on star voting at the end of the day. So like approval voting can be a really good stepping stone to get there. Yeah. Um, That's so, but, but if you think you can get star voting in your jurisdiction, 
like I would recommend that you just go straight to star voting. So, gotcha. so yeah, um, like it's both and. Like, like there's, yeah, there's a big course, country, yeah. it's a lot of places, a lot of diversity so the, here, um, but like two great options. Right. But I would say that, that the best way to get a uh, star voting would be to start practicing it in your organizations where it's not, you know, you don't have to make a whole new rule for the entire uh, district, but that way you can practice with a lot of people and see how well it does work. So for example, we ran a couple of star votes. Um, at the Facebook group that I ran. So I had, a, you know, I had the ability to just say, let's try this. And uh, we put out a few things for people to vote on and it turned out pretty well. And that gave people a chance to engage with the idea. What is star voting? How do we do it? And once people have done it a couple of times and they see it's working, they may just, you know, start to say, okay, I understand this, this is easy enough for me to explain to my parents, to my children, to my family and the friends and whoever else. So it's it's something that can be done, and we are going to get adoption of it. Uh, nice. We can do that with approval yeah, rating I as well. Say, so yeah, uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, approval voting is really. I mean, that's literally like Facebook polls. That's approval voting. Yeah. Like you yeah. already use approval voting. You like like I had somebody uh, tweet at me the other day. Was like, just look into approval voting for the first time, and I just realized this is exactly what I've been doing to determine where we go to lunch at the office for years. I've been using <laughs> approval voting my whole life and never even knew it. Like, exactly. Yep. Um, I, so, I but, but if you want to voting, use star voting just real quick. Yeah, okay. I, I was going to say you, real you, quick. Just real think, quick. If you... you can, I'll, I'll just spit it out. Um, so if you do want to use um, uh, star voting in your organization, you go to star.vote or you can go to star voting dot... Uh, here, I'll... And they also have a Google form for it as well. I'll throw the link in the in the YouTube uh, comments. I put, um, but well, go I, ahead. I actually put it in the live stream chat. So our live stream chat has it on too. Very good. Okay. So this is star.vote yeah. and okay. Awesome. Well, Starvoting.us. slash Google underscore. And if I recall correctly, and I'm sure either one of our, any one of the data wonks will, will fix my statement if I'm wrong. Or really off base, but I think that the like the deviance, the statistical deviance from results generated out of star voting versus approval voting are still within a statistical deviation from each other, which means that in the end, no, am I wrong? I mean, the star star voting is 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 better, like definitively, um, like like there there is a solid difference, but approval voting gets you really far for very little. Um, like, like star voting is in terms of single winner. I see star voting as the end game. Like, there, like do not, do not fight against star voting. Like, if if there's an opportunity to get star voting in your jurisdiction, you should be fighting for star voting. But it's like that should be. Let me put it this way: look at star voting first. If star voting, but keep approval voting in your mind. If it seems like star voting might be too hard or too difficult or not compatible with your state's election code, then look at approval voting. Um, like, like that's that's the way that I would describe it. Um, like a, right. approval voting is like a great runner-up. I think our friend from that's, uh, that's Twitch. That's the way that a way that I would describe it. But then, but then, doesn't that require a lot of people in the movement for these voting systems to be familiar with their state's local election codes? Like, really familiar with it, even if it's really confusing. Mm, I mean, yes. No, 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 no. So, 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 what I mean. So, so you can work. So, the Equal Vote Coalition is the organization that promotes star voting. The Center for Election Science is the organization that pr promotes approval voting. What I'm saying is that, like, learn under, really understand, like, spend a lot of time studying these systems, understand what they are, 
uh, why, like, and how they work and the mechanics of it and the lingo, because that's really the important piece. Mm. The organizations go look through the election code for your state and, and just try to determine on your own. You're going to want to get second opinions and stuff, but it, you just look through it yourself for your jurisdiction. If you want to start want to start fighting for it in your jurisdiction. And if it seems like the election code allows for star voting and you believe that your jurisdiction has the 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 um, political willpower to get star voting, then I would recommend trying to, to fight for star voting. But if you read the election code and you're like, mm, star voting is very dubious, if you think that your if your jurisdiction is really small, doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of political willpower, um, then approval voting might be the better way to go. But that's for you as an organizer to, to, to determine and get professional opinions and help from these organizations in determining which one makes more sense for your jurisdiction right now. Um, you don't need all the people in the voter education campaign to, to, to know all the legal mumble jumbo. Once you start the education campaign, you're either telling them about a start voting or you're telling them about approval voting. Right, but like you as the organizer are going to determine which one you're going to fight for based on a whole bunch of extra information that like ah. the delayed person doesn't need to know. I think our friend from Twitch has been trying chance? to. Uh, I yeah, I think Carl's like... been trying to ask a question for a <laughs> minute. So Carl, Carl welcome to the show. Carl, yeah. <laughs> sometime. Yeah. Let's uh, let's hear from Carl. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I I was gonna just support uh, the approval voting. It's a little bit of an intellectual leap, I think, for people because. They don't get that, um, you know, the, the lunch problem, basically. And this lunch problem illustrates perfectly the our voting system is there to help us achieve consensus. Uh, and so the question, I guess, uh, for our, our guest is, uh, do you think there is a problem with uh, the amount of success that we see ranked choice voting get on the national level, like in Maine, uh, you know, I understand your objection on national security, but is it possible to transition from ranked choice voting to approval or star fluidly? I wouldn't say fluidly. Um, ranked rank choice voting is just, is genuine trash. Um, we've already seen it repealed in six jurisdictions. Although, well, God, it's so weird. Let me take a look at my notes here. Well, but if so, you've never for, participated in a ranked choice vote, you don't understand how, what a hot mess it is until you sit down at the end and you're like, how, how did this work out? Like, that's yeah. so mess. Burlington, so, okay, so um, uh, it has failed to pass, obviously, in Massachusetts. It failed to pass in Glendale, Arizona. It failed to pass in Fort Collins, Colorado. It failed to pass, pass in Duluth, Minnesota. It, it failed to pass in Alaska the first time, although it did just get passed. In Burlington, Vermont, they passed it, and then it elected effectively... We think the wrong candidate. We don't know because they don't release all the all the uh, ballot data. They could they could release it, but they don't. In practice, nobody has ever released all of the ballot data for an instant runoff um, uh, frank choice voting elections. Uh, they they just it's just it has continuously been a transparency issue. But so we think they elected the wrong candidate, and so then they repealed it. Although they just reinstated it last week with their vote, which makes no sense. So stupid. Um, Ann Arbor, Michigan repealed it, although that, I want to make a good faith argument, that was for, like, racist reasons, not because of the, the bad mechanics, but, like, Cary, North Carolina has repealed it, Aspen, Colorado has repealed it, Pierce County, Washington has, reveal, has repealed it, Sunnyvale, California has, re has repealed it, and, and, and the reason that it gets repealed is, the real, reason that it fails to pass is because it's overly complicated, 
Um, the reason it gets repealed is because often the people voting it in are, are being lied to. Um, and they and then after they do it, they realize that it's not actually achieving the things that they want to achieve. It doesn't get you out of the two party system. Um, so claims that like like fair vote is the biggest organization that promotes ranked choice voting. Um, and so it makes a, I have a whole list of claims here that it makes that are false, but I'll boil them down into these five things. Um, they claim that it eliminates the spoiler effect, which is, it doesn't. That's definitively false. It claims that your second choice is always counted, which it doesn't. That's definitively false. It says that your vote is never wasted. That's definitively false, as I've stated earlier in the um, illusion of choice pro problem. Um, it's always safe to vote, vote your conscience. That's definitively false. One of the problems with ranked choice voting is that if everybody votes honestly, that's better for the whole. Voting strategically is better for the individual. It's this weird backwards dynamic that doesn't make sense. At least with first past the post, everybody voting strategically is actually the best possible outcome for the whole, um, which is still awful. You don't you want to encourage voter honesty, which is something that star voting does really really well. Um, but another 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 thing uh, that that fair vote says that your vote will never backfire. This is this is something ridiculous, which is that voting. Ranking your favorite highest can end up hurting your favorite. That's yes. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. Um, well, a well, lot of things about is... democracy are mathematically uh, uh, impossible or difficult to achieve, and uh, the types of the types of expectations we have from any voting system will tend to fail us uh, in in specific cases. So, I wanted to say hi to um, Kay Rosis, who has also joined us. Um, uh, you want to be called Eric or Kerosis? Okay, I'm not sure if so, I'm sorry, uh, I, 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 I was out of the room. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm. You can call me Eric or Kerosis. It's fine with me. Okay. Um, yeah, we've been going with. All Eric. right. So just just letting everybody know that uh, we have one one more uh, listener because this is going to be made put back together after we we're done doing this by Shale into a into a wonderful audio podcast. And so sometimes the things that we can see on screen will not be picked up by someone who is just listening. So I like to um, give them the audio cues also. Thank you. Thank All you. right. So do you want to uh, move on to a different um, priority for yourself in terms of um, you know legislation that you would like to see happen? Yeah, real quick. I feel like I didn't actually answer the question, which was, do I see a smooth oh, transition okay. from ranked choice voting? Um, I mean, just be like, Smooth? No, I wouldn't say smooth. Um, the just the the ballots look totally different, um, and and like just like the legislation is a mess, and like it's gonna the people the the jurisdictions that have ranked choice voting like like they just got it are gonna be like they're gonna be like oh it's actually terrible they're gonna be demoralized from wanting to change like like ranked choice voting is like arguably worse for the country than first past the post in a variety of different ways and there are other things I haven't gotten into. Like, like it really like I'm worried about ranked choice voting, especially because you could end up with something like a Supreme Court decision that determines that ranked choice voting does not satisfy one person, one vote. And so then it's eliminated nationwide. That'd be bad for the entire voting reform movement. Um, so uh, it, my hope is that ranked choice voting measures start to fail and approval and star voting start to succeed. But those aren't mutually exclusive. It's a whole thing. Um, but but no, I, I don't see a smooth transition from ranked choice voting to, to other systems because it just the effect on people is like they're, they're not going to dig down into the details like I like I do and like a lot of enthusiasts do um, they don't have time to care for it and if it's not working they're just going to say you know what screw this I'm not going to get involved with this anymore 
So, but yeah, we can move on. We can stop being depressed about ranked visiting. <laughs> no, I just feel like, uh, can I, just, wait, wait, I, I mean, I just want to say very simply, I, I love, I love both approval voting and star voting, but I feel like personally, it's always going to be approval voting that's the easier sell. And there's just such a difference yeah. in, uh, in, in like cost and effort to reward on them, even though star voting is slightly better. Ultimately, there's so much better rate of return on, on like effort to outcome, in trying to get uh, approval voting over, so right. I would go with right. that. Like, like I said, I and, this is yeah. what and I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that's anywhere in America. I think you're overly optimistic. <laughs> yeah, right. but I'm saying, I'm saying, like, yes, approval voting is the highest and fastest return on investment. Yeah, right. But like, I think that's the best we can do. Talk- <laughs> right no, now, well, no, I disagree with that. Um, yeah. But uh, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But well, I hope uh, you're right. But 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 real quick, okay, so. Like, yes, it is the highest and fastest return on investment in the U.S. right now. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for better, right? Star voting sure. it is a better system. And, and, and if we can get star voting, we should get star voting. We should right? again. Yeah, absolutely. Get yeah, absolutely. Get I would can. love to see, uh, why don't we push for an engineering solution to this, which is, for example, we go to Facebook and we go to Twitter where that would, you know, where social media runs these great polls that you say everybody's already practiced approval rating, for example. Why don't we get them to run polls using star? And then that way we'll have masses of people practicing it and getting a chance to say, oh, maybe I like this method better. That's and maybe idea. it's more appropriate yeah. for certain yeah. types of choices where we have like multiple choices, for example, and we want to pick two, not just one. Yeah. Maybe we'll pick both I the president and the vice president. Into account. I feel like we should be taking you- corruption into account more because even in the r- probably rare locations where it is where the election code is not too complicated or too, you know, for star voting to be, you know, passed. There's still the matter of government corruption, even if it's not that complicated yet. If they see people getting on board with star voting, they might try to make the le- the election code more complicated after all, after that, in order to stop it from passing. But I'm saying you're not going to know that. Approval voting, that would be, I'm, I would just cut to the bullshit. Saying, you can't make that a blanket thing, though. It's going to be, di- like, this is my whole point. It's like, it depends on your jurisdiction. Some jurisdictions, it's going to make more sense to fight for approval voting. Some jurisdictions, it's going to make more sense to fight for star voting. And that's going to depend on a thousand different factors. And you can't definitively say only approval. That doesn't, it's just... Sure, that, yeah, that's just, but I would say it's like you're, it depends on all of the different factors. Don't you think that there's that the number of places where it would be more viable to do approval, to implement approval voting would vastly outnumber the number of ones where star voting would be likely to pass anytime soon? That's, right? that's hard to say. I will say with time, that gap is, over time, that gap is going to close. Of course, right yeah, now, I think the time. gap is as, is, I think the it, gap it, is it, as it, big it, as it will ever be. But as we move forward and more people learn about voting systems and, and the public conscience becomes more aware of it, star voting is going to become more and more and more viable across the country. Well, um, but it's also like this we, problem of like we we are dealing with these with 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 bad representation right now. So that's why that, approval voting is such a big deal right now. But but I'm just saying like I, I you you cannot definitively say only do approval voting, never do star voting. It's well, ridiculous. Yeah, there are already jurisdictions that have passed star voting yeah. successfully. Right, I'm, saying like, I'm saying like I'm saying that you know if we if, if if like I'm what I'm saying is what you were saying earlier about how approval voting should be like the stepping stone for star voting 
But it that, can be. You know, if we if we're all like divided over which ones we should do first, that divides the movement, and then it's like in, it, instead. No, and no, like, no, 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 no. That's not that's not that's not divided. It's it's if star voting is better, but if it doesn't seem viable, then go for approval voting. That's not that's not divided. That's, that's like. Let's move on to another topic because um, yeah. I I know that you have several other interesting. Um, yeah, uh, areas in which you would love to let people know about, and we can ask you more questions. Uh, this this is something that we can continue researching on our own uh, once yeah. once we you know get into that mode of which one should we you know advocate for. Yeah, I just feel like so, we should social networking and government corruption into account when we you know are. Well, we're moving on to a new topic. topic. Yeah. <laughs> so right. what else so is Sass, on your mind, um, Seth? <laughs> Well, yeah, do are, you guys want to talk about next uh, priority? Yeah. You guys want to talk about the freedom dividend? Do you want to talk about government accountability, or do you want well, to talk yeah, about like government I'd like to talk about government thing. accountability of uh, those listed uh, options. The idea is that it looks like nobody took accountability for people freezing to death in that state. So, like, what, what, what did they have to say about that, or, or did your area experience those wind snowstorms too, or something like that? Or did... oh yeah, it was bad. Oh, okay. So yeah, it, it it just seems they just got away with it, and they hired bills. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's the problem here is the same as the generalized problem, which is that the incentives of our representatives are not aligned with the people; they're aligned with their moneyed interests. Um, changing voting systems plays into this, but it feels like a big enough thing that I separate it out as its own pillar. Um, in terms of my my platform has four main pillars, um, but government accountability is about okay. What can we do through citizen action to hold our representatives more accountable? And I want to be very clear: it's like this is about like like without the consent or participation of our representatives, what can people do? So I have a couple things, but my, kind of my it's really I have one big idea, um, uh, which is when I get elected, I'm going to get some seed fund together uh, to build a public forum. Uh, where constituents in my district can log on, they can uh, they can verify their residency, they can talk about local politics, all this stuff. But the main feature is that every time I vote on a piece of legislation, they'll be able to approve or disapprove of my vote on that legislation. So they'll be able to see the legislation, a kind of plain English translation of it, because legislation is written very poorly these days, intentionally. Um, some education about it, why I voted the way I voted, then I will have a public scorecard of how representative I am of my district. And the really cool part about this is it will be open source, and I'll just be the guinea pig. We'll work out all the kinks and the bugs on me, and then once it's working, great, then we can apply it to every elected representative across the country without their consent. And nice. we can we can be we can begin actually holding our, our representatives accountable, right? The phone calls, the emails, these are like private channels that can be ignored. Holding every couple months or years or whatever, do you like your candidate? That's not accountability. No. That's that's just like this, this very soft, fuzzy thing. Uh, elections every two or four or six years, like that's all. That's a, that's a rat race with competition and money and all this other stuff done with other candidates. It's not accountability. Accountability is every step of the way. The public is is saying, yes, you're doing it. No, you're not. It's time for you to do this. That's what accountability is. And so this is this is my this is the beginning 
of a national conversation around government accountability that we have not been having. And, and what I really like about this is it's, it's, I mean, as much as I'd love to codify it into law, it doesn't require participation from legislators um, in order to enact. Oh my gosh, yes, that's I amazing. like this a lot. Yeah, you are a genius, Sess. <laughs> it's like, we're trying to be- I pulled a lot of that from somebody like, else who suggested it to me. Well, you yeah, have good judgment. Because but... it's like, we're trying to hold the government accountable. The mechanism for holding them accountable should exist outside of the government. Yeah, Yes. exactly. Wow. So well, how can we get I this going? Like, th th how can we make this happen? This is this is a good solution. Is it implementable? Yeah, there are already some platforms that are doing something related, and I might instead of starting something new, might might work with them in, 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 instead. If you go to if you can go to the website uh, democracy.space, and there's another platform called uh, Decidem or Decidem D E C I I M. Um, that kind of do tangential stuff to this. Um, so it might be worth working off of them. And plus, then you can start to implement things like liquid democracy into this well, proxy voting and stuff, which is really cool. What's um, liquid democracy? But, uh, yeah, yeah so, so you know what proxy voting is? Well, I'll describe it for people who are listening. So proxy voting is the idea that like you can give your vote to somebody else to vote on your behalf. Mm. Um, and, but importantly, incredibly, and crucially, you can retract it at any time. Um, and that is, get really fancy. This is that is my favorite. That is my favorite policy. You just talked to your. Um, yeah, and this is my very favorite policy. <laughs> yeah, and, and which can this, only this be implemented a, actually, like in this new age with all of the engineering and internet that we have yeah. now. Like uh, it's I a new age during yeah, which we can actually really do tough. It. Yeah, it'd be really tough to do this before the before the information age. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's absolutely like it's. It's uh yeah, and you can get really fancy. You can do things like only ha like have your vote for certain topics go to certain people, and, and vote for other topics go to other people. Um, and you can build up these chains of uh, proxy voting. Um, that and 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 you, this could eventually lead to the replacement of representatives altogether with with just this fluid dynamic of of uh, like liquid democracy, and then like that will dramatically increase representation and participation in democracy. Um, and then once you have that in place, then you can start talking about having things like sortition-based citizens assemblies, which is just like you randomly select 3,000 people across the country and like make that your legislative body. And then like these are just regular citizens, but you have all sorts of like communication facilitators and, and experts on site, write legislation and do all this stuff, but they're just regular people, but less, but no like racist um, like filter on it. Um, and, uh, and then, and you can make it opt-in. You can do all sorts of things with it. Um, no. But then they could they could effectively write legislation that is then voted on through liquid democracy. So you have this hybridization of liquid democracy and sufficient-based citizens' assemblies, and that makes up your entire legislative branch. And you could even go a step further and say, okay, U.S. is still a long-standing military and economic superpower. You do need to have some kind of small body um, like managing this, like some of those aspects of, of such a big, strong country. Um, but like, should that? But you can have that be determined through through liquid democracy, um, kind of thing. So instead of having this crazy electoral college BS, you can have um, you could either have this the a citizens assembly help to like decide some candidates and then have them voted on through liquid democracy, or just have whole campaigns. Or there, you can do a lot of really interesting, crazy stuff with this. Um, it, and 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 I and I see and and I see that I that want Andrew Yang. 
I want Andrew Yang to be my proxy vote. Well, <laughs> yeah. to be my proxy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I put my you, vote in for him. You, you, when you think about back in the past when Reagan said government is not the solution, government is the problem, then why are you the head of our government? Then aren't you right. that problem that's coming in? If you have that mentality, you want your, to make yourself into the problem. So, so if you think that this thing is a problem, why did you become a part of it? <laughs> and when you say liquid democracy, do you mean like direct democracy or something? And so there's direct democracy, there's representative democracy, and now there's liquid democracy, which is kind of taking the best of both worlds. It's more complicated than either of those two things. Right. Dem direct democracy is just like inefficient. It's just like it doesn't work yeah. at large scale. Representative democracy, you run into the popularity contest problem, um, right? Which is like not always a bad thing, but like it has negative downsides to it, and you can get mob mentality. You run into, yeah. into this kind of tyranny of the masses problem. So right. liquid democracy helps to mitigate all that by pulling the best from both worlds and giving people the ability to to have a much stronger control and more fluid and flowing. That's why it's called liquid democracy. Oh. Control over over the one thing that, that always gives them voice, which is their vote. Right. My favorite thing about uh, liquid democracy, which is a, a term that I'm just now picking up from Stas, uh, but we've talked about this many times on the podcast before probably Harry joined us um, because I am a big fan of this. I believe that we should be allowing computers to help us now with our even our voting, right? We talk about algorithms running our lives and being but what if an algorithm could improve our lives, right? Yeah, and in this case, we're talking about perhaps allowing um, ourselves to um, choose representatives at real time. And so at any moment, what you can say is, I don't agree with the, rep with the representative that we have, you know, voted on or whatever, two years ago or even a month ago. We see him doing what I asked him to do. So I'm going to now shift my vote immediately at this moment to somebody else who can now represent me. I'm still not going to be the person up there legislating because I don't have time. I don't have time to read 600-page documents, Funny. right? There are elected representatives who are supposed to do that job. So if those people are reading the, the documents, doing the work of it, but if I disagree with them, I can now move my vote to somebody else. Like here, Here's the best and analogy. Like um, our, our democracy has a lag time, right? Like when you click on something on your computer and then it opens up like 10 minutes later, think about it. Like our lag time for a new president was enough time to have a coup. <laughs> like, like Exactly. Like that, that, yes. that, 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 look at the lag time. It's unacceptable. You don't open up an application and expect it to be open up the next day when you double click on your computer. But that's what we have for government. I do. I do want a side note. For like president specifically, um, like like I do argue in favor, at least right now, of having a small body that at the top of the executive branch. I don't know that I want that forever, but but for the U.S., I do argue in favor of that, and and I do think that some degree of lag time makes sense um, because having massive shifts in power is really unhealthy for a large country or for any country. Um, so so for president specifically. Like I, I know the whole the whole insurrection thing. Or maybe just thing, executive but, branch. Executive branch yeah. is different from legislation. Yeah, Those I mean, are two yeah, different things. yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you could, you could, you could frame it that way as well. But like, yeah, yeah. Well, having some period of like, her, like a solid term, 
it's not over till it's over kind of thing. Unless, well, I mean, yeah. options for appeals out for recall I, always. I, I like, like, uh, we, we need to down. have, yeah, uh, we need to have, show whether for, they're doing well or not. Hmm? And like, like we need I, to have what? Whether it's the current person or whether it's the fault of the last person before them. Oh. You you see what we need is to have transition and transition is good, but when there's an emergency, we cannot have a lag time, and that's what I saw with this coronavirus crisis. You get into gear quick. We need to have mechanisms in terms well, yeah, of emergencies. We are more prepared as a nation. Get to the point, right? Really close, but but lag New time. New Zealand is, was right, right, exactly. Lag time in helping and getting something done. That's bad. But I can understand transitions between people, between like powers and stuff like that. Transitions are good. We shouldn't just go in willy nilly without knowing what we're doing. But the lack yeah. time that we have to get something like the CARES Act passed and the heroes didn't even move. And what Mitch McConnell constantly did by just letting things sit there on his desk. That is mm-hmm. Yeah. They're both ghouls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, These are... I'll- that sort of lag time may be a little different than liquid democracy, so we may have to talk well, about the, the that point. The point different... is that liquid democracy, if we had liquid democracy in place, those like people would have voted on all of that. All like those checks would have gone out the door right away. Like that would have happened very that's quickly. True. I and believe that's, that. That's the point that, um, that's being made here. Yes, because we could have immediately taken our support away from those who were not doing what we wanted and given the vote to somebody else. So mm-hmm. one person who is a better representative, maybe we'll end up with six of our votes because we all said, well, you know what? We no longer want that other guy, right? And it happens So instead yeah. of having her, her vote count as one, it will count at six, perhaps because she's in- increased so many people, uh, you know, wanting to wanting her vote to count during that time. So it, that's an interesting and uh, wonderful thing that may be in the future because that sounds even more difficult to implement, but uh, hopefully one day we'll get there. Um, yeah, it's not so In terms tomorrow. of government accountability, Lucas had something he wanted to talk about for a minute. Well, it's Lucas, are you ready? Of, yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay, so something about government accountability I want to bring up. So uh, last year in my city here in West Haven, Connecticut, so there was this bill they wanted to pass, which would reduce like over half of our city council from 12 down to three. And thank God it was rejected because with government accountability, people were saying, no, we don't want to do this. We don't want to only have three parts of the city divided up into city council. That'd be more corrupt, less representative and everything. And yeah, so we fought back against that government accountability from city level last year. Yeah, and you, your voice is much stronger at the local level than it is at the national level, um, which is like an important thing to to just keep in mind when you're talking about this kind of stuff. And like, this is why the voting system thing is so powerful because like this is a, that's a ground up. That's a very like classic like you just like getting weed legalized or or you know uh, marriage equality. Like that all happened from the ground up. That was that was cities getting it done, and then states, and then the whole country does it. So. Um, and, and like I said, voting systems is, is part of government accountability. Um, but yeah, definitely, like, there are some things that are, like, moving it down to the local level makes a lot more sense because it gives people a lot more voice. Um, yeah. So that's been something... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, about... Uh, you know, I almost forgot to yeah. So I was going to say about, like, the those three types of democracy you mentioned. I mean, something that's kind of been occurring to me a little bit is that, like, the idea of like having like lo- having like direct democracy at a local level and like something more rep- uh, like representative democracy on larger scales 
you know, or maybe something in terms of subject area too, not just in terms of geography, where it's like maybe have people vote directly on in within their area on issues that they care enough about to pay attention to. And then the people who actually show up and the people who actually show up consistently, you know, the ones who actually care about that particular issue or the particular subject matter are the ones who end up voting on it because they actually care enough care enough to show up for that particular issue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that argument is um, is sometimes made of like only the people who bother voting should have the power to vote. No, not like that. Not like that. I mean, no subject well, I mean, area. Yeah, I'm I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing, but but like yeah. it's only the people who care enough to show up. Like those those folks should have more voice because they care. And so the idea of proxy voting is like it's like you can still it, you're you're kind of you're kind of getting the both end. You are. Kind of giving more power to the people who care, but you're, but the people who aren't participating as heavily, whether because they can't or they don't want to, um, they still don't lose their voice. And so that's the really cool part about liquid democracy is you get the best of both worlds right. in that case. Well, it satisfies both arguments. The main problem with the main problem with the whole if you care enough to show up, you get a vote system. The problem with that is that we make it one vote for everything, and then don't give people the opportunity. To actually show up if they want to, because you know money, transportation, you know people right. have jobs that don't let them go when they need to vote, you know that sort of thing. Accessibility is, is a is a problem too. And again, like liquid democracy also helps with this issue. Um, yeah, it's not you know it's like you you know voting means nothing if the voters aren't informed. Um, right. You know, like in any system, but but right. like some of these issues start to get addressed with liquid democracy, definitely. Yeah. I think eventually it would make the idea of certain types of legislators or legislators having a specific folk themselves even completely unnecessary because uh, who's to say you can't just have some, you know, you could have your proxy be held by your son. If your son is somebody who is very involved in politics and you trust him to make decisions, you say, I'm just going to throw my vote to him, you know, and mm-hmm. let him make the decisions for, for our whole family. Or, uh, you know, it could be anybody. And so uh, I mm-hmm. think that would that's going to be really interesting one day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do want to, at some point, move on. Organic social dynamics, I guess, you know? Like, we, we, you know, we want more organic social dynamics. That, what is, like, what is this? What is voting, if not a system for making decision-making decision making socially, you know? And if we can... That's if, all that if, is. You're right. And, and the more we tap into, like... It was just the natural, organic ways that people interact with each other and, you know, sort of, like, have that accumulate into large-scale sort of averages, I guess, in some way. You know, the problem, I think a lot of the problems with most election systems is that they're not organic enough. You know, they're sort of, like, forced on people in order to simplify it, you know? And there's no consequence when you don't do what you promised. There's zero consequence right. until the next election. And who knows who you really promised things to? Did you, exactly. you make one promise to the people that you're speaking to right now? Then you turn around and go to another event, which, different promise to the donors. So, which you know, is who's, crazy who's to anyway. You know, when when all these politicians talk about like people being lazy or like not uh, uh, wanting to, you know, do this, it. It, it kind of like, hey, have you have you taken a look in the mirror lately? It's like, you know, in any kind of like corporate world kind of thing, if you, you know, make these empty promises, you're out the door tomorrow. If, yep. if even 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 if you're a college student, you can't tell your professor that, oh, I'm going to have it into you, but I'm, I'm not going to know the day. 
Like you're 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 <laughs> out of the you you get an F. Like that's the thing. Oh. It it why is it that when it comes to these people, they face less consequences than the average student and the average worker? It's, it's because it's, they can only the because they, you can only get rid of you you can only get rid of them once every two or four or six years. That's yeah. why. And even right. at that point, getting rid of them it doesn't work because the system is so rigged in their favor. I mean, right? It's it's just it's really rigged yeah, in favor of the government. Could you imagine like a like yeah. a, st- a shareholder who couldn't get rid of like someone or like a like a CEO who couldn't like you know do yeah, that? Yeah, they are they beholden right. to a board of directors. It's it's law. Even large companies right. have to have a board of directors to keep the company mm-hmm. and the CEO accountable to shareholders who have vested interests. So we're the board of directors for them, but where's our power? You know. Well, yeah. they have systematically mm-hmm. removed it so they can do what they want without our approval. Yep, <laughs> yep. exactly. Well, I, I love some of I love Sass's um, suggestions for this, but I would like to move on. Um, first of all, before we go completely to the next, uh, which I, the last thing I want to talk about is definitely the freedom dividend. But before we move there, let's start with a little bit of the um, one final. I'd like to hear a little bit about what you think we should have done or should be doing in Texas due to the last uh, weather crisis, uh, the energy, the overcharges, the water breaks, all of the you know issues that everybody's facing. Is there anything specific you wanted to talk about in terms of the current event? I mean, it's um, it's all down to the state legislature. Um, you know, it's. I mean, the first thing they did was get us off the, the national interconnects, which I disagree with. But um, you know, it's if any state can manage its own energy, it's Texas. We have so many natural resources down here. Um, but then the state legislature, state legislature, you know, didn't do what it needed to do. It it could have reduced subsidies on uh, entrenched fossil fuel industries here uh, and and use those funds to to pay for winterization or just you know regulated the them into doing it themselves uh into insulating all their different um energy production um they could have had a lot more solar solar would have done way better you just wipe the snow off the top and it works just fine um you know uh uh but then you also run into like the like the pipes bursting that's a tougher problem um so so the, the one of the big differences between northern states and southern states in northern states they bury their pipes deeper underground where the temperature is more stable and they insulate the pipes well in the south you know 50 years ago 30 years ago you know 50 years ago when they were installing these pipes um there was no concept that like this would be a problem and so there was it was like why would we spend money on on it and like that actually kind of made sense at the time but now that we know, now that we're like seeing the effects of climate change and how um, the it, how the the messing up the air currents, losing that jet stream that's keeping the polar vortex up north, then now it's dipping it down, and it and it's caused these water pipes to burst, and so uh, and so you have a lot of communities, particularly poor communities, who still who haven't had clean water for two weeks now, um, clean running water for two weeks, and it's like you know getting those pipes fixed, that's that's no small feat. That's a that's a lot. Um, of course, at this point now we can say, well, this is going to happen again. So let's prepare. Let's let's um, you know. So I think um, you know. I mean, there's a lot that the state could do. Again, it's all up to the state legislature. Um, you know, there's obviously the problems with like FEMA. How much is FEMA really doing? They show up late. They're under resourced. They don't have any information. 
Um, so it's been a lot of mutual aid organizations that have really actually been getting things done and getting water to people, setting up systems uh, and ways to, to get. Uh, also working with Austin Fire, working with like local fire departments and stuff. So I mean, it, but it all it all just comes back to like these fundamental issues of like voting systems, gerrymandering, government accountability. Like like these these core issues are like if we like this other stuff isn't going to solve itself until we solve these core fundamental problems that are preventing it from getting solved. I see Carl had his hand up for a second. Thank you. Uh, I had a little bit of pushback, just a little bit on the solar. Of course, uh, we we need energy systems which last 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have to support our hospitals. And so this is one of the reasons that I'm uh, on Team Yang is his support for uh, advanced nuclear. And of course, uh, nuclear is a fantastic energy source in terms of labor. We need 300 to 900 people working at every nuclear plant, whereas every gas plant has, what, a dozen people on staff? Uh, so I'm wondering, Sass, what's your take on, uh, and I can answer absolutely any question you have about how nuclear performed during the Texas freeze. Yeah, so um, obviously solar is combined with uh, storage. And there are a variety of ways, different ways to, to store that energy. It's not just lithium-ion batteries. There are these like liquid, there are these flow batteries. There are you can, elevation gains with like different lakes and stuff. By the water. There's a lot of different ways to store that. There's the salt, um, the, 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 send, like, the focused heat solar. Um, but I am in favor of nuclear. Um, you know, obviously we saw the nuclear, some, we saw uh, one of the nuclear plants fail. Uh, but the reason for that was because it wasn't winterized. Again, put this in the state legislature. It's not because the technology is bad. Um, I am in, in favor of thorium, and I want to put R&D into it. Um, there is a, a problem of just, like, timeline of just, like, thorium's not going to be ready in time. So I'm I'm very much in favor of, like, the new scale small nuclear uh, reactors, um, which are uh, designed, manufactured, supply chain. Everything is completely domestic. You prefab them in a factory. You dig a hole in the ground. You plop them in, and you turn them on. Um, so like absolutely nuclear has to be part of the solution as well. Um, but, but what I'm saying is, is like Texas ha gets a lot of sun, um, and, uh, you know, it got a lot of sun during the storm too. Um, and so, uh, you know, solar, both, both for utility generation, as well as like decentralized, uh, energy generation in terms of like rooftop solar with local backup. And that includes apartments and condos as well. That would be another way to have helped to stabilize the grid. Um, even if it didn't make up all the power generation, um, it could have added stability. Um, so, so like it's it's a variety. It's no one single thing. You need a variety of of, right. of solutions to this incredibly right. huge and complex problem. But again, it all comes back to the state legislature screwed up over and over and over again. Didn't prepare for the situation that everybody knew we needed to get prepared for. And now we're facing the consequences and like the state legislature is not going to act in our interests until we shift the incentives and we get better representation and we do these other things. And like, it's not going to happen until we address some of these core pillars of my campaign. Okay. So final, Carl, I would like to hear more uh, about uh, yeah. thorium when you get a chance. Um, uh, but I wanted to ask, uh, interrupt just at this moment for, for a second, because I need to ask um, Sass. Did you ever decide with which party you would like to run? Because you had not I, decided uh, the last time I spoke to you. I will not be deciding until I have sufficient information. And I won't have sufficient information until I can pick a district. Um, and that won't happen until summer. So it's, it's still going to be a while before I officially declare party affiliation. Okay, awesome. because uh, I'm having... 
Yeah, I would like to. I would like to give you that moment, and and just uh, I just wanted to say the reason I brought that up is because we have had 19 years of Republican trifecta in Texas, and a lot of our listeners may not know this if you're joining us from another state. So it's very difficult, I think, for them to push responsibility off onto others, and yet they will do that anyway. <laughs> so I just find that amazing. Okay, please tell us more about this. Uh, I would like to also hear about the state, uh, the current state of thorium. Uh, you know. Uh, okay. Research you had and so, a, forth. so when you get I'm a chance, sorry, yeah. sorry, I'm not seeing the screen right now, so I don't have your name. Uh, but you had a follow up. I want to know what your follow up is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, the follow up is, of course, that uh, solar energy is having problems with domestic production, as you rightly noted. New Scale is uh, fully domestic and supports American jobs. Uh, solar, uh, on the other hand, uh, we essentially have said, uh, unfortunately, here in Washington, even that we don't want to build it on, in our backyard. We had a, 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 a silicon smelter around the Spokane area that was uh, essentially blocked by the environmental community. And so it, it's like, if we're advocating for this clean energy source, we need to be able to own the manufacturing and own the development of these technologies and, and not just say, hey, the Chinese should build it and send it to us and because we don't want it in our backyard. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was um, to say something about that particularly. We, well, I mean, we've seen, right, like, like you're, you're talking about an, an isolated incident, which, of course, I don't know a ton about what happened in Oregon. Um, but, uh, but like, yeah, I mean, the more domestic, the better. Um, and we're seeing, like, Tesla is really taking on this, like, it doesn't make sense to manufacture things on a different continent than where they're being sold, um, which makes sense. And that's why they're able to undercut everybody on a lot of technology. Um, so, like, I would absolutely love to have uh, government mandates, state and federal, um, that you know uh, that that require a certain percentage of work happen domestically. If you're going to call yourself an American company, adjusting tariffs, uh, adjusting supply chains, like there, there again, this is another complex issue that that doesn't have a single solution. Um, but like we could manufacture solar here, and we should. Um, you know, uh, like we can and we should. So, like, I'm with you on this. Of like, you know, the, the the really great thing about new scale modular is like it was designed from the ground up to be completely domestic, and that's great. And I'm in support of it. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't support solar too. Uh, you know, this carbon in the atmosphere problem is the number. I mean, is is just like it's the number one environmental problem. Um, I, like we have a lot of other environmental problems going on right now, um, but the carbon in the atmosphere and the oceans that's end game. Um, and we got to do everything agree. we have. Yeah, we got right. We have I to take every agree. every single route that we have. The, Regarding the thing that I tell solar energy, I have a quick question. Uh, something I've been thinking about, like, why don't we just like instead of having all of the solar energy like panels, generator gardens, whatever, all be in like centralized places? Why don't we just like you know you know divvy div divvy it up like have a a lot more solar panels, but smaller solar panels like portable solar panels that we can carry in our pockets, you know, and carry around with us, or even, like, solar panel t-shirts, you know what I mean? Like, that way everyone could have one, and we just carry it around yeah. with us, and then we could sort of, like, so, so, we, and we could, like, have a market for it, you know? So, some of this tech exists. Some of, so, like, you can buy some of this tech. Like, there are solar paneled, like, battery backups for your cell phone that you can buy and take camping with you, or whatever. Yeah. Um, there are like vehicles coming out of the market that have solar panels in them because the efficiency of the solar panels is starting to get to the point where it, it's actually worth it. Um, right. Rooftop solar is a, is a really, really great version of a decentralized solar. Um, but like it's both and you want all of it. 
Oh, um, yeah, of course, yeah. But but I feel like if we make smaller solar panels in larger numbers, like that would make it really easy to mass produce and also easy to decentralize it in ways in places that we want it decentralized. You know, it was like it would be easier to like hold the larger energy infrastructure accountable if we also had more grassroots energy infrastructure. You know, I, d I don't think it's that simple. Um, but I, I think it's more complex than that. But like, yeah, you are you are right to a degree. Yeah. Uh, Carl, did you have something so else you I wanted... wanted to say? I would like to hear more from Carl. Yeah. Real quick, I and then, and then, and then Faye would move on, question. yeah. My, well, okay, my main uh, question... Okay, go ahead. My, oh, my question so... to Carl is, <laughs> could you tell me more about the, the, um, you know, the state of research in terms of thorium? Because as I understood, it wasn't fully online yet. So can you tell us uh, where we're at in terms of implementation of thorium now? Uh, absolutely. So let me sort of... Uh, put this more in the frame of uh, advanced nuclear and molten salt reactors specifically. Uh, thorium is a, a really interesting uh, breeder. Uh, a thorium MSR is a breeder design, and there's a lot of very technical details around why it's pretty cool. Uh, essentially, we have uh, TerraPower here in Washington State, which is developing a uranium molten salt design. Uh, it is you know, in terms of the proliferation, everything that you hear about thorium, uh, they're essentially the same under the safeguards that matter. Uh, for thorium specifically, there's some wonderful research going on in Europe from Copenhagen Atomics. Uh, and, and I definitely uh, suggest if you're interested, you should look at the Thorium Energy Alliance. Uh, I was a Thorium Energy Alliance 10 speaker uh, in 2019, I believe. Uh, and there's an, an outstanding level of advocacy for this specific technology in Jack Kennedy and the Thorium Energy Alliance. And and so my follow-up is that, yeah, when it comes to clean energy, I'm all on board for everything out there. We absolutely need every kilowatt of of non-emitting electricity that we can get. And and so that's that's my position as well. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, what okay. is it Lithium nuclear power. I've never heard of lithium being used for nuclear power. Like I've heard of thorium, but like not lithium. Oh, lithium would be a, a fusion technology. Does I I missed the was that in live stream chat? I don't think so. I think I think maybe he misheard. Yeah, the the, oh, the, the two like fissile like. uh, the two fissile isotopes, of course, are um well the are plutonium and uranium, and the two fertile isotopes are uranium-238, which breeds into plutonium, and uh, thorium-232, which breeds into uranium. Ah, gotcha. So they're fusion, fertile and fissile are fusion and fission, right? No, those are both fission. Uh, the fusion, the way that lithium uh, works in, is that uh, I, I believe there is a way of producing tritium using lithium, or uh, but I, I'm not super familiar with the deep technicals of fusion, but but I understand lithium is is involved in this. Gotcha. Okay, so I, I think we are ready to move on to our next topic. And, and the thing I wanted to bring us to is the Freedom Dividend, which you have placed as, uh, as an important uh, position in your campaign. Um, I think that there is a mayor's for a guaranteed income, so mayors for AGI, that is doing that thing that you're talking about, bringing it from the grassroots level at the city level, from mayors, all the way up, um, if we can get it at the city level. Uh, but you would be working on it at a federal level. Is that correct? Yes. This is so, where my um, passions lie. 
And I really think that's the appropriate um, level at which it needs to happen for everyone. Because, of course, the money supply is controlled at a federal level. So um, can you tell us a little bit about um, why you feel that it's important to have a UBI? And then I want to ask you that question we had online on Twitter earlier oh, today. Boy. So. Oh, boy. It's a long laundry list of reasons why we need a UBI. But my two favorite are it guarantees your right to life. And it knocks down at least one foundational barrier to every problem we've been failing to solve for the last 40 plus years. Those are probably my top two reasons. Um, another, another one, I really like, it will help us to change the way that we think about work. That's another one that I really like. Um, the, way, the way we define work is very flawed, um, which I suspect many people watching this podcast will agree with. So how could uh, UBI redefine that, for example? Would it be redefining gig work, caregiving? It's, yeah, so it doesn't happen overnight. Um, this, is a, this is a cultural shift that I'm talking about. Um, so uh, I'm talking about work that we do that we don't pay for. So raising children, taking care of elderly and sick family members, volunteering, freelance work, uh, artistry, the list goes on. Um, the, right now, when we use the word work, we're talking about this like narrow slice of labor. A lot of it BS labor that we don't need to do, um, or labor that can be performed by machines but isn't right now because wages are just so low um, and people don't have bargaining power. Um, so un universal basic income will help us make this shift, I think, in culturally in a variety of different ways. Um, in jobs where we don't need people doing them or that don't need to be done, it's going to give those workers, um, it's going to give those laborers, I should say, uh, bargaining power. To leave those jobs um, and, and they'll either be replaced with nothing or with robots which I want um, I don't want people wasting their time doing crap they don't want to do it's ridiculous I want people to be able to spend more time doing what they choose with their time I want people to define themselves what they count as work um, and it will also start to recognize that other type of work and, and I think that the word work is, will, will start to, to be redefined in a new way gradually over time culturally. Um, and so, so universal basic income will help and, enable this. Yeah. And also, um, it'll help businesses kind of compete for employees. If your job is not worthy of getting up in the morning and doing and is super boring, and if you can't compete with that base level of human existence, what are you doing offering a job in the first place? You know, you know what I mean? So it's like if your job is not worthy of somebody to wake up and to feel like they're contributing to something meaningful and they have a purpose, then you shouldn't be offering a job because all you want is like slaves and people to take advantage of. Yeah, this is um, if you like kind of the, the Darwinism aspect of capitalism of like survival of the fittest, then like UBI is right up your alley. Like only well-run companies that treat their employees well and provide fulfilling work and support um, like the, and produce quality products that, that, consumers, that consumers like and want rather than buying it because they have no choice. Those are the companies that will survive. Um, and the companies that, uh, that are poorly run that don't care about their employees or their customers that rely on like congressional bailouts to stay afloat um, extraction like, manipulation ex 
extraction manipulation, yep, like environmentally unfriendly stuff, stuff that's like socially unconscionable, those companies will start to fail. So you, so universal basic income will, will and it will, it will also empower entrepreneurs who would make great companies but don't have the capital or the, or the, the time or the support uh, necessary to do it. It will also help to unlock people's productivity. Um, scarcity mentality is a part of poverty, right? That kind of survival mode that our brains switch into um, dramatically reduces productivity. So if you're a productivity fan, universal basic income is for you. It will dramatically increase the productivity of our populace as well as making them healthier, which also increases productivity. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's just one of these things that's like, it just cuts across so many different aspects and so many different things um, that, that it helps to improve. It really is the first step. And it's why I say it knocks down at least one foundational barrier to every problem we've been failing to solve for the last 40 plus years. That's a great way to put it. And I love how you are able to retool the, you know, the, the pitch of UBI to immediately to a different uh, set of values, because it really is for everybody. And, and uh, it just, we just have to figure out what um, motivates people individually and on, on their, in their particular circumstance using their set of values. Um, I'm interested in finding out from you also how would you answer the the typical criticism that we're here, you know, which is how can we afford this? How do we yeah, somebody, afford a universal basic income? Somebody somebody tweeted that at me today, um, I think, this morning. Maybe it was last night. Um so there's this is kind of a two part answer. So there's like a technical, like how like what are like the financial mechanisms, and then there's a conceptual one. Um I'll start with the conceptual one of um yeah, and this kind of harkens back to something I was saying to what I was saying earlier of like, um, we can't afford not to have universal basic income, uh, the detriment to our country, what we spend on, on public health, what we spend on broken welfare programs, what we what we lose and decreased productivity. Um, like this is incredibly, incredibly expensive for our country, all the all the BS jobs, all the work that doesn't need to be done, all the la re reduction innovation, the reduction entrepreneurship. This is all very expensive. It's and, caustic. Uh, it, yeah, and, and it, 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 it is way more expensive than a UBI program. Um, I, I read through that Scott Santon's article that you posted, uh, Faye, um, under that comment thread, um, that he said that uh, it's like $40,000 per American every year is just like wasted to these kinds of things that UBI would solve. Um, so that's a conceptual answer. Um, the more technical answer is... Um, it starts with a VAT, V-A-T, for a value-added tax. Um, so this also depends on how much of a UBI we're talking about. Uh, this, this, this is not the only way to fund it. Uh, but I am fighting for a universal basic income of $2,000 per month for every adult in America. Um, and uh, for two reasons that why I'm picking that number. So Andrew Yang fought for $1,000 a month back in 2019. That made a lot of sense. Um, but... 2019 was like 50 years ago. Uh, we experienced like 10 years of change in 10 months. Yeah. Uh, so it's post-COVID. That's one of the reasons I'm fighting for 2000. The other reason is because um, it's the real world. I have to negotiate. We don't get everything that we ask for. I'm not going to kneecap myself. But assuming $2,000 a month, uh, a value-added tax is a type of transactional tax that is used in over 150 countries around the world. Why? Because it works. You can't wriggle your way out of it. Similar to a sales tax. The difference is a sales tax only 
applies to the consumer end of things. It uh, usually does not apply to business to business transactions, which is where the real money is. So the combined market cap of the two largest American corporations is far greater than the combined net worth of the 400 richest American individuals. Um, and and that's, that's like, I'm all about, you know, wealth taxes and billionaire taxes and stuff. But like, that's not where the real money is, my friends. The real money is with the corporations. Um, and so uh, this starts to chip away at this kind of, there, there are trillions of dollars locked up in this kind of like upper echelon of these mega corporations. It's all tr they just trade this money between each other, um, you know, over information, right? So like selling ad space to each other is a big one, right? We're talking Google and Facebook, right? Amazon, um, you know, but also you know telecoms and all the advertising agencies and all this stuff. Um, and that money isn't flowing through the hands of regular consumers and people, which is how real economy is supposed to work is the money is supposed to flow through communities and through the hands of people. It's the movement of the dollar. AKA that actually not trickling down. Yeah. AKA not trickling down. Um, but that's like, that's where the production is actually made is in the hands of people. If you don't make stuff, you don't have stuff. Um, and so you're on the, the VAT program grabs a sliver off of every transaction. Uh, this hits the, this, the, this upper echelon the most as so you grab this money and you bring it down through the UBI program into the hands of consumers who then spend it. And some of it's going to stay in their community, some of it's going to trickle up, and it's going to trickle up rather than trickle down, and then this program just brings it back down. The government, through the VAT plus UBI, is just facilitating the cycle of money uh, through the economy. And money moving through the economy is the number one way to a healthy economy. Any economist will tell you this. So some numbers to throw your way. Um, 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 I'm looking at a value-added tax of 20%, which is comparable to what they have in the European Union. But remember, you're bringing in an extra $2,000 per month. Don't forget that. Um, you are going to be bringing, unless you already spend more than like $10,000 per month, uh, so you're already rich, which means you're fine, um, uh, you're bringing in way more than what you're paying out in taxes. Um, so 20% VAT. Uh, that's, that's like a trillion and a half dollars of just new revenue just straight from that. But then that effectively doubles when you look at the increase in productivity across the economy. Like I said before, universal basic incomes increase economic activity. You're looking at almost $3 trillion just from the VAT. Um, but there's, you know, there's other monies in other ways. It's an opt-in program, uh, the Freedom Dividend. Uh, so, uh, and, and one of the things is, is um, you can't keep, if you're on other government welfare programs, um, not earned income programs. So like social security doesn't count, uh, unemployment insurance is state level. So that doesn't count. Um, there are a couple of other things. Um, but, but those systems that are all conditional, they're broken, they're dehumanizing, they're bureaucratic, uh, uh, welfare systems. Um, you have to give up those benefits in order to get the universal basic income. And if you are receiving less in benefits from that than what the UBI is of $2,000 a month, obvious choice but even some people who are getting more in benefits from those programs may still decide to switch to the freedom dividend um because it's just more stable uh you don't have to worry about all the bureaucracy and jumping through the hoops and what if you lose it no no, no you get to keep it it's yours um and then there's another 200 billion dollars you save from decreases in spending on like healthcare and incarceration and homelessness services um and and uh it doesn't quite get you there there's kind of a short list of other things, um, eliminating the social security taxable earnings cap. 
uh, implementing a secu securities transaction tax, which affects just kind of like hedge fund managers in the stock market. Um, so it would reduce, reduce speculation, which is what led to this whole like GameStop thing. And it's all ridiculous. Um, it's just rich people throwing money at each other and stealing money from poor people. Um, we're just trying to get a leg up and using the stock market. Um, eliminating subsidies for fossil fuel industry is huge. We subsidize fossil fuel industry enormously. Um, uh, ending the favorable tax treatment for carried gains and capital interest. Uh, fully funding the IRS is huge. For every dollar you put into the IRS, you get seven back. It's ridiculous. No business owner would ever cripple their revenue operations. It's just backwards. Um, and they're Especially right this. now. We're seeing mm -hmm. during the pandemic that a lot of people are not getting their stimulus checks simply because the IRS doesn't have time to even answer calls. Something right. like seventy percent of phone calls are going unanswered, and so nobody can even find out when when there is an issue with getting their stimulus check. They're not able to connect with IRS to actually get that that one particular thing done. One error. Yeah. Fixed. And the freedom dividend would not be administered through the IRS. We're just using the IRS right now because it's an emergency. Um, but you would have a separate. Uh, like kind of an administering program for, for the freedom dividend. Um, but at least you get a lot of money back from that. Um, and then eliminating waste in the Department of Defense is, a, is another one. And that's literally just by cutting the budget. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of waste in the Department of Defense um, because they're overfunded. And this doesn't what just produce waste. How this, much would you this, cut it back? That's a good question. I don't know that I have a number on that figured out yet. Um, I mean, like, I buy arguments for cutting it like in half. Um, you know, I, I want to look a little deeper into that. Um, but there's another problem too with overfunding. It's not just waste. It's also that if you overfund a team, um, then they will not um, create, they, they won't come up with creative solutions to problems. Um, and so uh, like that's, that's an issue that also needs to be addressed. So, so by having the kind of uh, a moderate level of funding, this kind of moderate to low level of funding, you'll force them to create creative solutions to problems, which is desperately needed in the Department of Defense, Defense right now. Um, they're yes. spending way too much money on ground vehicles and not nearly enough money in the tax basis, which is why I also advocate for the creation of a seventh branch of the military, the cyber force. But that's a whole other discussion. So that covers uh, a lot of the technical side of, uh, of the Freedom Dividend Program from, in my version. So I, I, I wanted to... Okay. Oh, yeah. So my question is, um, well, I do agree that the military funding does need to be cut, like reduced a lot. Um, I've also had the thought that maybe part of the reason that we have so much overspending on our military, could it be partially because of a sort of rat race between our militaries and other militaries, like a, a race to the bottom where like as one military spends lots and lots of money in order to stay on, as one government spends lots and lots of money on their military to stay ahead, other countries end up spending lots and lots of money on their militaries to try to keep up. And then it creates this race to the bottom where like countries end up just sucking up all the money out of their economies in order to keep fueling their militaries or have this pissing contest, you know? It's a pretty, but that's, we're in it. We've been in it since 1945. I'm saying this is a, this is a pretty uniquely American problem. Um, at least in terms of the scale. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, I, w I would say that, um, military contractors are a huge piece of this puzzle. Uh, military contractors charge way, way more. There's a lot of stuff that, that the military hires out to military contractors um, that they could totally just do, quote-unquote, in-house. Um, but because the contractors are in bed with all the legislatures and the president, um, they don't. Instead, they just pay way more to the contractors. And so looking at like regulation of, of contractors, 
and, and how the Department of Defense interacts with them and, and, and price negotiations can also be really helpful. But to me, I really believe in the power of simplicity with the universal basic income. Um, and so the, the way I look at it is literally just like a cut to the defense budget. That's, that's, that's like, I want to do that other stuff, but I see that as being part yeah. of a different bill. Um, we can think, think of it as the national defense internally. I mean, you know, and right. it, it, it's great defense when you're when your own people are doing well, rather than absolutely you know, having it's a, yeah. weakening and rottenness of the apple within. Um, poverty, I, I, poverty I, is a national security issue as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it is. Like um, we're all spending all our money defending ourselves from other countries, and we're not like then we end up losing money to defend ourselves from our own problems here. Yeah, I like those air quotes. Uh, Eric, did you have something? Yeah, um, let's have Eric talk. Uh, yeah, I, hold on, just one moment. Just one moment, though. I need to check check in with Sass. Do you have a little more time to spend with us? Because we did start late, and I, I see that you know people are really excited to. Con can we have continue. maybe another extra half hour of your time? Sure. Let's do it. Okay, Thank and you. then we'll because normally I'm like I, it's very hard cut off because we scheduled two hours on, but today I feel like uh, we need to have continue on because we have a lot of extra people too so it's not, yeah we, we go we go along pretty frequently but it, it is good to uh, as yeah. a courtesy we do always say it's two and if anyone wants to leave at, at two hours then you know please do but uh yeah let's okay, keep going so eric i think had a had something yeah. he wanted to ask at this point so talk yeah so two things first is what do you think sas should be the relationship between the united states and china that is a that's a big question. question. Wow. Yes. <laughs> but, 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 broad but, strokes. But 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 in, but in one in one in one sentence, what attitude do you think the United States should take towards China? Um God, it's difficult because the US doesn't have a lot of moral high ground to stand on. <laughs> um uh it, I'm glad it wasn't me that asked this question, but it's, it's burning hard, on my it's mind hard, every time hard. I see a politician. <laughs> It is hard to put this into one sentence. Um, boy, give me a minute. Let me think. I'm kind of bullish on the Petro one, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I mean, I am generally in, in the space of like, we're not going to be, we're, we're quickly losing our ability to, to um, have like international, like ha have, have power on the international stage because of, of our, of our inability to solve what's going on here. So more of a, Let's focus on domestic issues first. But I also like want to recognize um, this international issue of, of China um, preparing to basically invade South Korea and, Ch and Japan. And the U.S. is the only country that has any real chance of doing anything serious about it. And it is going to require that cyber force that I was talking about. Like, to me, the, like, I, like my, my biggest issues with China, um, at least in terms of like... I think some of the biggest problems with China, um, like the, the cyber force is going to be a, a central piece of, of solving that. Um, obviously, that doesn't address everything. Um, there's no way in hell I can no. address everything in one sentence. But but, 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 but I really, I really that, think that, that the cyber is force honestly, is going to be a key piece of this puzzle. Okay, that is honestly one of the best answers I could have heard right now. Um, I, I personally believe that the United States needs to be on a cooperative background. Uh, on, on a cooperative background with China, yeah, that we need we need we need to be able to work with China on solving key international issues that go beyond either of our country, mm. because they they are the, the to me the U.S. China relationship is the single most important international relationship in the world in the 21st century, 
Oh, between yes, only right. two countries, yes. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, how the U.S. and China dance with each other in the 21st century is going to decide everything. Yeah, I can see that. I, yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. But I would, I would actually say that I, I'm not. I don't agree in terms of uh, believing that China is trying to make war. Because based I on I don't necessarily think that they are either. I, I, I don't so, necessarily think that they are. But I think I, that I, that I, may I, be no, one of no. those attitudes that uh, is, um, you know, comes from a place of, uh, of mistrust, which mm -hmm. we have mistrust in our own government. And so we can export that to other countries that we know even less about. And are yeah. you know, and are culturally different from, and so we can say, well, of course, if our leaders are yeah. war fomenting, you know, then uh, probably these other very. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely like yeah. I said. I don't know if the audio <laughs> cut out, um, but I mean, like, like I'm not going to pretend that the that the I mean, the U.S. is actively involved in a bunch of wars, um, whether they call them wars or not. Yeah. Um, like, like again, like I said at the beginning, the U.S. does not have moral gr ground to stand on. Um, yeah, but. But uh, and the cyber forces is not just like about the inv invasion stuff. It's it's also just about like the U.S. needs to be protected. The U like the U.S. Um, needs to be able to keep up with China's tech, which it's not right now. China is ahead of the yes. U.S. on technology. Uh, abso absolutely. Um, uh, like, in fact, that that's actually one of that that brings to mind um, where we need to become as a nation four times as innovative per capita as the Chinese. That is only universal basic order. income. Yeah. But you're talking about only universal basic now. income. And only universal basic income has any possibility of doing that. It's the first step. It is the first uh, step. Even further than that, though, I don't think it's just that we need to become as innovative as China. I would say a lot of our problem stems from the fact that we've spent, like, however many decades ruling the world by force. When yes. What we should be doing is ruling the world by trade, by being useful to everyone. You know, Which is what China's trying to do with the One Belt, One Road initiative. Powerful economies in the world. Not, right. And our military is starting to you know, fall behind because of some of our bad decision-making on, on the international scale. Instead of trying to turn the clock back and trying to reclaim our global military dominance, we should be trying to go for the economic route instead. You know? Well, see, well, yeah, here's I mean, the thing. Like, I, 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 go ahead. Just like you, the United Nations is like a piece of this puzzle as well. I mean, like there's there's a there's a fundamental flaw in the United Nations that it's like the five found nothing can happen unless it gets approval from all five of the founding members or whatever, which is so dumb. Um, I'm talking about just the Security Council. That it's oh, not true of the other. Only the oh, Security okay. Council only the Security has Council. five permanent members, and these five members are always on the council, whereas there's a rotating group of i think total total number might be something like 13 so there's rotating people coming in and out i'm not sure the other nations member nations only sit on it for short times okay yeah um but yeah so i mean like definitely like 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 um th there is this this piece of like the u.s can't do it alone and we need mm -hmm. and, and it shouldn't do it alone that shouldn't be what we want we should want to have international relations but again yeah. like, we're not gonna like we like the whole country, like, the whole world, ha like looks at it, like it's laughing at us right now. Oh yeah, um, oh. and it's like, it, and it's in, in large part because we just can't handle our own crap. Um, yeah, and so like, well, UBI, we did have an step. insurrection. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, our capital was taken problem. over by lurkers. It, it was it was yeah. embarrassing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and chi- I, I know China and I know all of our enemies um, will definitely never let us live that down for the next century. Nope. <laughs> well, that's the thing is we have to maybe change our, um, that's the, I feel like the first step really is changing yeah. our tone from calling them our enemies. I was excluding I was excluding China from our enemies but I, I, our enemies will use well, it's not productive to like conceive them, uh, of a nation as an enemy really like ever I, you know I, I, we I just I I want know. to avoid it <laughs> you guys I don't I don't know if this sounds ageist but I think the gerontocracy is everywhere I mean and uh yeah it's, like, it's like, true look like always look Hey, it's always been that way. Wait, wait. Old people are in char- charge of China too. Old people mm-hmm. are in charge of Iran. You know, like, like we don't talk about Iran. Like the youth in Iran is actually very like progressive. Some of them like, like kind of like westernized and they don't like their own leadership over there. So I really think that it's, it's people, it's people in charge of countries that are stuck in a time warp everywhere here whether it's canada whether it's china and we just need some fresh blood all around all around the world they feel like progress threatens that's that's why voting reform battles they've been fighting their whole lives and we're done with those battles like they're in the past right right, but i'm saying this is why i'm saying this is why voting reform is is an international effort right now um this is like it's this isn't just a u.s thing um, voting systems like star voting and stuff, looking at multi-winner, looking at proportional representation, like like this is stuff that is spreading around the world right now, and 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 is going to be instrumental. Um, it's like I I one of the really things that I, that I like is like if Texas can be kind of this, if I can get approval voting in Austin at the same time that I become a representative at like not a you know whatever in Texas preaching whatever, and, and I get this like government accountability thing going. Like that's gonna get the world's eyeballs, and and it's gonna really show like the kind of change that can be performed despite you know uh, whatever division is happening in your country, whatever kind of polarity there is. Like voting reform is so central to solving the, these issues, including gerontocracy, um, and and that's why it's such a massive that that's why it's really gaining traction all over the world. Right. Well, I, I heard. Uh, I think I heard. heard Sorry, go on. I think I heard uh, Eric, who's Kairosis, um, mentioned something about how it's always been like this. But if you look back in time, that is not actually true. In the past, we have had, uh, in Macedonia, was it um, the Prince of Macedonia? Who was it that conquered the world? Alexander the Great, right? And we've had, what age was he when he ascended to power? What age were the people... Exactly. What about um, our very youngest, uh, you know, warrior princess out in, uh, used her faith to uh, to bring her into Joan the world. Uh, Joan, uh, Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. Okay, yeah. so these are famous people we've all heard about, but we forget that these were people who were very young. They were very young when they became military leaders, and then they ascended to power at some point. Now, she, of right. course, didn't, you know, she didn't sit on a throne or anything, but these are these are things that people people used to be able to do things at a young yeah. age and become amazing. Yeah. Now we have, Ugh. we continue to- uh, Religious reformers to people were almost all. Yeah. Almost it's all happened. religious reformers we, denied were young people. Educational and like vocational opportunities, as well as For basic us. human dignity and autonomy to anyone below the age of 18, and often yeah. people above that age too. 
Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. How many boomers do we even have on this? Faye, aren't you? Are you an exer, right? No, Faye's not a boomer. We had no, our I'm, friend yeah, Karen. I, I but Karen, what happened Karen. to Karen? Faye, what happened to Karen? I said, I said <clears throat> All right. Exer. We've had two. We've I, really I only had two boomers. We had uh, we had someone in Robin on very early on. I think you might yeah, remember. And then we have had Karen for a while. Um, and I, what is, where's Karen? Why isn't Karen coming anymore? Okay, so Karen, so Karen is in the boomer uh, generation. She's very nice. Uh, she's very nice. She does the Care Worth yeah, podcast. She's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, but Faye, do you know what's what's up, with Karen? Is she going to be? I do. Coming well, back. I don't know. I don't know her exact circumstances, but I do know that she has um, taken on so many responsibilities. Mm. Let's well, only miss her. Like I really do. We no all. Yeah, yeah. I've never met her. We all miss her perspective. We really do need our boomer back. We do because we need her perspective. <laughs> so please well, tell her to come I, back I if you can. Please, please, if you please, see her, I tell her to come back. All, I don't like to pressure think, anybody to come back to the show because I know everyone's busy. But I would like to pressure Karen because we've only ever had two boomers brave enough to come back, right. and I think wait, she's the one, only one that really gelled with the show and liked it. And it's her responsibility now. She has to come do it. Let's see what Faye has to say. Peer pressure. What we should do is, uh, throughout the course of this week, go befriend a boomer and ask them onto the show. That is a great yeah. idea. That is a really good idea. All of idea. us. That's a good idea. Bring your parents on. Everyone bring your parents on. Next Friday. <laughs> Next Friday, bring your mom and dad. <laughs> also, oh, that's oh, bring my cousin. Something I bring your cousin. I realized after I, like, you know, processed some of what you were saying and wrote it down in more simplified form that that your explanation of star voting and uh and uh, uh approval voting that actually maybe it, they both would be equally easy cells if you explained it in simple enough terms so i wrote down a tweet that basically says uh that uh, says star voting sorry no wait where was it let me pull it up again hang on yeah it was uh approval voting select i uh, disappeared dang it i had it pulled up hang on let me try again <laughs> Yeah, so I wrote, approval voting, select one or more candidates which you approve of. Mm-hmm. Star voting, rate each candidate from zero to five stars. Well, very Current simple. voting, pick one candidate which you approve of. If your neighbors vote differently, then your vote will be thrown out. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I do like that venom there at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's important. The star voting is like that second step, the automatic runoff, is an important piece of what um, encourages the honest voting and what corrects for the distortion and just like a yeah. regular score voting system. Um, and you want to you want to have that transparency with voters. Um, so really, what you're describing is just the ballot. Um, but the yeah. tabulation is important as well. Um, now, the tabulation with approval voting is the same as what people are used to. So you can just right. say vote for everyone you approve of. But with star voting, um, like it's just it's important that people know the tabulation that transparency is important right. um, and that way people know that that their vote will will uh, that not only all the preference data on their ballot is used but also that they'll they'll get to have a say um, in that final top two round and that that also will affect the way that they vote it will inc- it encourages voters to vote honestly it encourages them to to score as many candidates as possible and to draw differentiation between all of those candidates and 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 that's that's a really important piece of star voting yeah so um i don't want to uh revisit star voting too much right now let's move forward to the final um thing that i've been saving up and uh, i thought you know even if you had to we could still this is more structured than we've like had in ever on this we show. normally have <laughs> 
the, the okay so what's going on right now is the stimulus payment right the stimulus payments have been approved by the senate but as i thought just yesterday when i was podcasting with everybody oh okay this is done apparently i found out it isn't it isn't we're celebrating too early and there are significant problems with the possible with uh, one aspect of the stimulus that we didn't get to talk about yesterday so I wanted to bring this up. Um, one of the main problems that I'm seeing uh, was brought up to me by a friend of mine who um, is also, uh, you know, very progressive. Uh, she says that the struggling Americans who may have, especially um, if you have back taxes owed, may not be able to receive their stimulus check. Mm-hmm. And not only is this one specifically... Uh, not protected from that by uh, the language that was written in originally. Uh, they've taken it out. Uh, it may also be for past checks. If you haven't received your check yet and you have to actually file a tax form in order to get it, there's a good chance that even if the federal government doesn't take that money to pay off back taxes, the state governments can come after you and take it. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and link that in here. And I just wanted to see what you guys think. I mean, would you send this back? If, you know, considering that it has these problems, or would you as a, you know, as say, well, it's good enough, let's at least get something done, um, even if it's got, you know, really severe flaws like this. Well, no, I, I thought this I was going to be a hot topic. <laughs> I mean, you gave uh, us okay. a lot to digest, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I missed the thing. Of- oh, Sash, you cut out there for a second. Could you please repeat yeah. yourself? Yeah. The claw back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know what's going on. It's my phone's about to die. Anyway, I'm going to switch it to a different audio source. Um, but okay. uh, yeah, I'm going to lose my camera. That's cool. we'll be here if you want to come back um, on the computer. Or something. Yeah. That's the, so, the beauty of okay, Discord. Well, the permanence yeah, of it. Hey, nice keyboard. We can talk. Yeah. The musician. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we can. We can. We can continue discussion while he's uh, working right. on his. Yeah. Issues. That was fast. My main. My main problem uh, with this is this is supposed to be survival money, and yet. Some of the poorest people who have, you know, back tax problems or whatever um, are not going to be able to receive it. And so I'm very concerned about this permanent, you know, failure to address that. Well, Faye, my, my, my response is fuck them. Fuck this bill. It's some bullshit. I want my money. I'm still owed $12,000 in pandemic unemployment assistance that I have an entitlement letter for. You're fucking weird ass programs miss us every yep. single time it's by design the technocracy. i'm sick of your shit yes the way i see it is that the democrats promised two thousand dollar checks immediately out the door um well until they live up to that demand i'm gonna be demanding that two thousand dollar check mm-hmm. and i'm demand and the vice president proposed making it monthly and retroactive to march 2020 oops uh, you know what? When she said that, everyone on the show was like, Shale, it's going to happen. She said it. I'm like, guys, that's lip service. She's not going to yeah. ever say it again. She's just harvesting our votes. And everyone that's called me a cynic. And now I am vindicated. Right. She, she, said, she said it in May 2020. <laughs> I forget the name of the bill. But she proposed $2,000 a month every single month retroactive to March 2020. Yep. And I'm going to hold her to that. Which person are we talking about? Kamala Harris. Kamala- Kamala Harris. Oh, well, of course she wasn't going to honor something like that. Mm-hmm. Of course not. Of course not. But she, but she put her name on it, and I'm going to hold her to it 
Good. Yup. So well, this I don't is think not she's going to hear you that you're holding her to it. Yeah. No. Yeah, she's not going to give a shit. She's not going to listen to what you're oh, yeah. She's not even going to know. Carl, are you yeah. still with us? I, that, I, I'd I love meant, to hear Carl's thoughts on this if he's, if he's with I meant, us. I meant, if, I meant if I'm in office, I will hold her to it publicly. Oh, okay, okay. Even yes. better. Yes. If I'm in office and she is, because I expect that Biden will not serve out his full term. Um, if you she mean, is president, I will hold her to that very publicly. All right, thank you. We got Carl. I, yeah, I'll, I'll admit uh, I I do organize with Seattle DSA, and we're very strong about like keeping Democrats to their promises. Yeah, uh, this is uh, one more broken promise. Uh, we we and I. This is why I'm so enthusiastic about voting reform of any kind. And and I, I I mean SAS has a really great pitch for a star, but I'm any kind of voting reform is better than first past the post. It's absolute garbage that we have to just accept that the lesser of two evils is going to be our leadership for the next four years. Thank you. I just want to be very clear that ranked choice voting will will do the same thing. Like ranked choice voting is 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 in the U.S., in my opinion, worse than first past the post, and it's pretty it's pretty unique in that there are no other systems that I would say that about. Um, but but like rank 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 choice voting is truly truly trash. It's truly trash. It's really I'll, bad. I'll have to watch the VOD and really absorb this because I've I've been uh, you know I've been working with Fair Vote, and so I really you know I want to give your your position uh, a fair swing. Yeah, and, and you can uh, DM me here on. Uh, on Discord, and I'll send you my whole patch notes that I keep together uh, and all my links and everything about all this. So I've put a couple of links in the live chat for um, future reference and for anybody who's, you know, um, reading our uh, our information in the descriptions of our YouTube channel and so forth. Um, the second, these two articles together, you know, discuss why some of the most financially struggling Americans owing back taxes and so forth, will not be able to um, get the stimulus payment. And also, even if you apply for a waiver, because that's possible for the federal, um, and you'd have to apply in a very specific window of time, um, you would actually uh, still have the problem of, uh, you know, the states coming after you. So uh, it wouldn't apply to the state tax. It's so gross in this country how it's constantly about kicking the people who are already down. Helping them up. That's the because... best way to divide and conquer, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so my friend, of course, who sent me this article is somebody who follows the squad. And she's hoping that the squad is going to kick it back and, yeah. uh, you know, get it. They're not going to do anything. We're not going to do it. What do you think? I they're I just they're think just there to sell the younger generation I... on the old vision of neoliberalism. They're just pro-wrestling. I, 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 th I think that you might get some pushback from, like, Cori Bush... Uh, she she might want to kick it back, um, but I don't really see many of them doing much of anything with it. I mean, honestly, like it feels like you know the stimulus checks or UBI or whatever, like like getting more money in our pockets in the hands of the common people, like that's the one like you know thing that the government could be doing to you know make our lives better, and they're not doing it. So and, and they're consistently breaking that promise when they say they will. Why should we trust them in any way for anything else at all? Like, you know, like honestly, it feels to me like at this point, it's just better to cut our losses and just just ignore them as much as we can. And like, like instead of trying to beg them to help us because they're not going to. Yeah. 
you know, it's like in take, we're going to take our labor and our economy elsewhere. And we have different ideas about how to do that. I think crypto is the way no, and you think time banking like, is the way, but it's a sort of like, shared sentiment a lot of the country has. You know what I mean? If they threaten to punish us, then we do what they say and work within their rules. Right. But other than that, we should just do our own thing and ignore them, you know? But we're Harry, trying. We're trying. <laughs> a lot of us are trying. Harry, Harry, we are always under threat from them coming after us. Constantly. Yeah. That's mm. what the IRS does. That is a constant threat of coercive violence against me and my property. It exists yep. every single day that I am under a United States tax code. So right. how do I get out from under that? By leaving the country? Yep. Well, no. You can't, though. Actually, <laughs> no. Well, you can. It goes along with you. You have to leave you the country and still. then disavow your American citizenship, and then you can't come back. And then, only then, after, you have to pay a big fee, too, and then you don't have to pay taxes anymore. There you go. So just do that. No big deal. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Well, uh, and this is where I say, you know, somebody, somebody said, where in the world? Like I say Peru, and I'll go live with some alpacas on a mountainside. And if the IRS wants to figure out a way to tax me right. there, let them try. When it all gets too overwhelming, just remember we're going to be underwater. The whole continent, just way down there. They can only tax you if you have any green paper for them to take from you in the first place, you know? Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have any green paper and you're not buying anything from the system, you have no debts and That's no expenses. That's not true. Them. Let me send guys to bother you. <laughs> so they they That's, can keep you on banks, for example. Yeah. So yeah, that is a very again. That's why that's I come back to crypto. Hardship. Cryptocurrency is banking without banks. It works around them. It is taking our yeah. economy and going away from the banks. <laughs> yeah. And this is where I think this is a, the. A perfect opportunity for us to use some of that technology to secure our votes in the same way we can secure some currency for ourselves. Well, once we have that, that's power, a more complicated yeah, issue than you think. That is, that is not as straightforward as you think it is. It's, it doesn't mean it's it's not a hard no, but it's there's a comp voting electronically for government elections is a complex no, and issue. I, I do understand that, but I'm not going to back off of I want a secured vote. I want to know that my my vote is actually being counted. I will tell I you that no in the United States, it is. I, I will tell you that in the United States, it is. It, the United States has has phenomenally secure elections because we use for for a variety of reasons, but um, we use it's decentralized. Uh, we use ink on paper ballots, but like much more than that, um, there's a lot of money in elections. I'm going to raise upwards of a million dollars for my race. Uh, you think I'm not invested in ensuring that every single ballot with my name on it is counted? Of course I am. And I'm just one candidate in one race. Every single candidate on that ballot is going to be highly invested in making sure every ballot is counted. There is a lot of money in ensuring that every ballot is counted. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm only talking about general elections. Primaries, different story. Um, then you got to deal with the actual like party, the, like the, the, the intra-party politics, which is uh, a whole other set of problems. But for general elections, the United States general elections are secure and they have been for a very long time. It's, it's one of the few things we're really good at. And, and it's in large part because the federal government is, is, is pretty hands off and it's mostly dealt with at the local level. 
how do we know that if we don't if we can't actually see our vote in chalk words you can't you absolutely can uh this is uh uh when you your ballot gets print i don't know if you use a voting machine or if you actually like have a pen on paper but you personally can verify what's on that piece of paper that durable paper with with permanent ink um, and you yourself physically put it into a box that has tamper-proof seals on it. Um, and if if a recount if a recount is called for in your jurisdiction, which you can work to to call for, and are, is a regular feature of secure elections, then what happens is they take this sealed box and they put it into a room, and they have a whole bunch of people there, people from every party. They have media. You can be in there. You can be part of this process if you want to. And then they break the tamper-proof seals, they pull out the ballots, and they count them by hand by sorting them into separate piles in front of everybody. You can personally ensure that your vote is counted. This is why we have poll watchers. Like, There's a whole system around this. Um, like I understand like your concerns, but I just want to be very clear that there is a hard line split between the people who scream about election security on Twitter and the people who do the boots on the ground work of ensuring that our elections are secure. So I, I understand your I understand why you're concerned, and I'm telling you that you absolutely 100% have the power to ensure that your ballot is counted. You have the power to make that happen because so it's decentralized and because it's handled at the local level. The polls on recount days. And we can actually get the recounts to happen in the first place. The recounts are, are happen regularly back. in the U.S. How regularly? I want to push I, back. I want to push back just a little bit on the hundred percent. Maybe a little bit less than a hundred percent. Not only for the fudge factor, but also because there's also big money in trying to prevent some people from voting. And so, right. recently. If you manage to cast a ballot, there is a very, very high percentage that your ballot was cast. And if you want to ensure that that happened, there are steps that you as an individual can take to ensure that that happened. It doesn't mean that it can't be improved. Election security never ends. Um, like, obviously, yes, there are a lot of people who are prevented from voting. Um, it's not perfect, uh, but but it's it's really, really good in the U.S. for general elections. Unless, for example, unless, for example, you were tricked into voting a provisional ballot, because most provisional ballots are never looked at in terms of never allowed to be become a real ballot. And so uh, it's something that you give out to people when you're not sure of their credentials, and then it has to be reviewed, and the review process is very complicated and doesn't always happen. So um, there's a lot of other things that can happen in elections, but uh, I think maybe we're going to have to wrap up now. And so I really appreciate your sentiment that we can trust in our elections because mail-in ballots, I think, are actually quite trustworthy. And so that's if been a very done correctly, issue. like Colorado, yeah. Washington, Oregon, great job. New York, June primaries, 2020, awful. They that's have so to good. be done yeah. right. We, we fucked it. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Sass, I would like to know if you, what stage are you in now? Are you fundraising already? Are you going to give us, a, you know, a good website for everybody to come and uh, get to know you and uh, get connected with your campaign, help you out? What is it you need from people now? Yes, I've been fundraising since November. Um, so that's mm -hmm. huge right now. Um, if you can go to voteforsass.com, V-O-T-E-F-O-R-S-A-S-S.com. Uh, you, you can check out my platform and read more of, uh, on there. And I'm going to be adding more stuff to that site as time goes on. Um, so donations, hugely appreciated that. And just like increasing awareness, you know, Twitter followers and stuff like those are the probably the two biggest things right now. I, I would say volunteer. 
Um, I don't have a ton of work that volunteers can do right now. It's mo mostly just phone banging side by side with me. But if you are interested, you can just shoot me a DM on any of my social media or go to the connect tab on my website. Um, but, but long story short, go to my website, voteforsass.com and anything and everything you want or need to do, you can do, you can do from there. Do you uh, like to use uh, Facebook or do you prefer using Twitter? Do you have like a social media that you prefer to use? I mean, we, I, I post on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram almost every day, but I, but I post extra on Twitter. That's where you're going to see me be the most active, most likely. Okay. And so your Twitter handle, do you want to give that? Sass official. Nice. And, and you can, you can get yeah. that on my site. Yeah. You'll just see it uh, on there. You can go to the connect tab. You can find all my social media as well. Very good. Well, thank you so again. much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much fantastic. for having me. It's been fantastic. Wait, so, where do you think we can find all of it again? What's up? Where do you think we can find all your social media information again? Like all the Vote for sass.com and then just go to the connect tab. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so, uh, would okay. you mind if I add you to my uh, spreadsheet uh, with all of the. Uh, social media and like lists of like uh, channels and like content creators in the trickle up. Please do. Awesome. All right. Before we go into the goodbyes, which we are about to, and there's, you know, yeah. we can talk more off, off the air, but no more questions after this. I do just want to say, Sass, thank you so, so much for coming on. And uh, I'm starting a new project in addition to the Yang Gang Roundtable with our friends uh, Sheridan Lund and uh, Yanni DeRoach, who are running for uh, both UBI candidates running for different positions in this country somewhere in different places. Uh, I'm creating a project called the Basic Income Town Hall that connects basic income candidates directly to their constituents uh, to better serve them and help them win their races. So I would like to talk to you soon about how that can best serve you and your race. Uh, and, and I would love to have you back on the show anytime. You don't need to uh, pre-approve it with me or anyone. Just look at the schedule channel. I post every Thursday or schedule. Pop on in if you want to see or talk to anyone who's here. Uh, love to have you. So yeah. that that was great. Hey, Refluence, you're here just just for the end, but uh, it's nice to see you dabbing there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. All right. Uh, I hand it over. Hi, guys. I hand it over to Faye, so we can uh, say goodbye. All right. Um. So what I what I'd like to do is give everyone who has participated today and is still here a chance to give out your own uh, talk, whatever you're doing for a minute, and uh, go ahead and put your. Uh, social media handle for people who want to get in touch with you. Okay, so Ariel, why don't you start us off since as a veteran of our group? <laughs> yeah, but almost perfect attendance. Uh, let's say, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can find me at youtube.com slash revolutionary thinking. Also on Twitter, I'm at Ariel's Ariel's and six o'clock. Uh, PM. I'm debuting a new Ariel the Avalanche episode that's going to be on uh, hustle porn and its deleterious effects that I see on our society and people's uh, psyches. So uh, yeah, it's, it's 6 topic. p.m. Revolutionary thinking. Nice. All right. How about you, Kai? Are you ready? So hi, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for mm -hmm. everyone coming today. My name is Kai Zen KC. I'm on Twitter, Patreon, Cash App, and PayPal. I am a UBI advocate who lives in poverty for a variety of reasons, not the least of which because we do not have a UBI yet. So uh, that's at K-A-I-Z-E-N-K-C. Thanks, everybody.
Yes, I heard KZ the first time, KZ like Kaizen, but it's actually KC for Kansas City where you started mm-hmm. out there earlier. Um, so SAS, I, I saw that you were um, running your own uh, sort of uh, streams and that you are looking for people with great sto- UBI stories. And so uh, you might want to invite um, Kai to tell hers because she made a great Twitter post. Uh, it was kind of long, but it did have all the information and it was really interesting read. So hopefully you guys can get together and maybe do that. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm I'm always yeah, interested in because uh, uh, yeah, I know we were connecting on Twitter, um, but yeah, just just you know, get, getting the stories and the voices out there is going to be huge. Um, and so yeah, sure, I'd I'd love to 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 have you on my stream on Thursday. Okay. So just to reiterate, what position are you running for again, Sass? U.S. House of Representatives. Gotcha. Same as Sheridan. But, however, the district is just not clear because everything's being redistricted and gerrymandered. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> no, no chance to no chance to affect that ourselves, and unless we can get into the nitty gritty. All right. So um, let's see who else is here with us today. How about um, Eric? Tell us a little bit about how to contact you and continue conversations with you. Well, you can follow me at my Twitter at Eric Storson. That is E-R-I-K-S-T-O-R-E-S-U-N-D. You can also visit my website, uh, ericstorson.com. Unfortunately, you can't yet donate to me. Um, I'm I'm not at that stage yet. Um, But other than that, you can get a hold of me on Twitter, and that's probably the best way to reach me. Okay, very good. Because I'm still trying to write down the stuff for the the social media information for SAS. Yeah, so sure. I'll, can, I'll put it in the so live stream chat. Let me teach uh, the, our new, uh, our newest uh, members. Uh, when you go to the live stream chat, you will see an example from me and an example from Ariel of how to make a credit for yourself. Just put exclamation credit, put your name, and then go ahead and put your own. Uh, you know, if you want to pe- have people meet yeah. you on Twitter, then Carl. Yeah, I have a feeling you also you stream. So. If you would put your link to your streams in uh in our uh, in our if you'd be so kind as to use our SEO robot uh, Bart sure. in the live stream chat Absolutely. and add a link. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Faye. I just wanted to make sure we got Carl. Sure. I, I could tell. I had a suspicion based on your professional-looking setup that you you do a little bit more than just pop onto uh, random discords. <laughs> right. Thanks so much. So I'll do my quick shout out. Yeah. Uh, I am Carl Alex Pauls, Carl with a K on Twitter. Uh, I do have a very special segment on Turing News every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and also I have a YouTube at yestv.org that I'll redirect you to the the right YouTube channel. Thanks. Awesome. Carl, I'd uh, love to have you back on my show anytime. Uh, the same applies, you know, as I said to Sass, if you've been on the Discord, check the schedule any Thursday. If you want to come on to a show, come on, if it looks interesting. And I'd love to also give you uh, an entire episode dedicated to whatever you'd like to talk about, if you'd like. It sounds like he's pretty passionate about uh, nuclear energy. Thorium, yes, which was part of the old yield Yang Gang platform. So, love to Ab- hear it. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy to bring uh, a Dr. Nick Turan, who made whatisnuclear.com to speak with you about thorium and molten salt and, and breeder technology. All right, we'll make it happen. Do you we'll believe in up. a UBI too? 
Uh, personally, yes, as long as we also have uh, decommodify things like rent and food yeah. and energy. And Oh, yeah. cool. An end to energy scarcity does really change the equation for UBI. It's, it's much harder for someone to say, well, how do we pay for it when we have uh, infinite electricity? So it changes the equation. Very relevant. Thank you again, Carl. Very glad to meet you. And I hope that you will come back uh, multiple times. And I'm going to check out your, your stuff, too. So... All right. Um, All right. And I would where, like where, where, to give Harry a chance. Let's let's go to Harry. Yeah. So my name is Harry. I'm re-enter username on Twitter, challenger of the world on YouTube, and just Harry Hirsch on Facebook. Uh, I've been uh, working on like trying to start building a local grassroots uh, like socioeconomic community infrastructure uh, at the ground, like with time banks and stuff, in order to try to like you know help get our economy off the ground a bit, you know, and get us less dependent on the establishment systems, you know? So anyways. All right. Refluence, are you ready to um, tell us how to find you on, on social media? Yes, I am Refluence. You can Google me on the Google search engine <laughs> and um, uh, twitch.tv slash Refluence, R-E-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. And I'm making a new project. It's called uh, Gaming for Humanity. And um, yeah, Facebook, YouTube. The mayor Thank of you. Maui. Very Reflux. good. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's very easy Thank to you, find Reflux. me on Twitter. I, I'm Palestine Math, P-A-L-E-S-T-I-N-E, and M-A-T-H for Make America Think Harder. Um, you can also find me on Facebook as myself, and I often appear on the Yang Gang Report live at the Yang Gang Report um, page. So, Shale, are you ready? Yeah, great show, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Shale Riley. My Twitter is S-H-A-E-L-R-I-L-E-Y, and that's the best way to reach me. If you want to be on the show, just, you know, give me a follow or something, and I'll, I'll talk to you. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So goodbye, be good to each other, stay safe, survive the week, and we'll see you next weekend. Uh, goodbye. Nice ass. Thank you. Bye.